0: Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, we have a special mini-series just for you.
1: We're going through the entire first season of King of the Hill, and you can only hear it if you're a $5 and up patron at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We're
0: giving the Talking Simpsons treatment to all 13 episodes of King of the Hill's first season, and if you want a free sample, you'll find the first episode available for free in the Talking Simpsons feed. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. It's the only place you'll find the first season of Talk King of the Hill you go click, 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 click. It's real easy, man.
2: I heartily endorse this event or product.
0: Ahoy, hoy, everybody, and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast that's more fun than the game of Lentz. I'm your host, the Midriff Monitor, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with us today?
1: Henry Gilbert. In this podcast, snap, crackles, and pops. And who do we have on the line?
3: Uh, your metabolism will change someday, too, young man. Oh, no. I'm Will Phone.
0: And today's episode is Wild Barts Can't Be Broken.
4: First pitch of the game. Oh!
5: That's oh, Rotating up. His career's over. I'm gonna warm up the car. But there's only been one pitch, and it sucked.
0: That was gruesome. Uh, Today's (laughs) episode aired on January 17th, 1999. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history.
1: (gasps) oh boy bobby super smash brothers comes out on the nintendo 64 in japan wow. varsity blues debuts at number one in the box office and in the nfl playoffs the winners are the denver broncos <laughs> and the atlanta falcons
0: excellent line reading there <laughs>
1: yes uh but uh, we'll learn more about that uh in super bowl 33 next episode or actually two episodes of this podcast very
0: very soon the dawn of family guy will be uh, upon us yes Yep. But uh, yes, uh, Super Smash Brothers, the start of an empire for Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And I remember when that game came out and was being previewed, people, the reaction was, what the hell is this? This is very stupid. What are they thinking? <laughs> but now it is one of their biggest games. Oh yeah. I mean, it's got to be bigger than Mario. Uh,
1: yeah, as a franchise, it sells like more than just about anything that is a Pokemon, and it's uh, you know was ahead of the curve on the Marvel movie uh, mashup of just like it's every character together yeah. once from Nintendo history.
0: And not to ruin the beginning of this podcast with gamer chat, but the most exciting thing now is thinking about what characters will be next.
1: Yeah, it's all... uh, We've gotten so many of the predicted characters.
0: This is the good Ready Player One. (laughs) Super Smash Brothers.
3: I'm surprised to hear it was controversial at the time. It was a very big hit on my schoolyard when I was 10. I heard no dissenting voices.
0: (laughs) We're a little older, so I think the teen gamers were, uh, you know, playing Quake and Mm -hmm. the Dooms and the many gory shooters and Tomb Raiders. So... Uh, a lot of them looked down upon this kitty fighting game, but it was lots of fun.
3: Well, that's why we've got to break down those barriers between high and low. <laughs>
1: Uh, and I remember seeing Varsity Blues as uh, as a teen. The, it was one of those films made for surly teens of our generation. And uh, <laughs> I remember in the movie, like James Vanderbeek, he does not say football player to me, but he's mm. he's okay in it. I remember that to show that he's a smart guy, not some dumb jock, he reads Kurt Vonnegut, and everybody's like, "What are you reading?"
0: <laughs> was that his tenth grade reading assignment? Uh, I'm yeah. kidding. I love Kurt Vonnegut, <laughs> but it's it's often assigned high school. Students I think the one thing in that movie that was the draw for teenage boys was the whipped cream bikini scene yes, but you yeah. saw that in trailers and commercials like is there's no more than that is there
1: Uh, you might get eight more seconds yeah That's kind of it though. it's yes. the
0: promise of the removal of whipped cream which mm. is not going to happen
1: that does not happen
0: in the exactly film. not on the screen know. anyways
3: I've still not seen varsity blues but I've been hearing a lot of people because it's been 20 years since 1999 talk about what a great year for movies <laughs> 1999 was mm-hmm. you know you had like the Matrix. Tricks, Fight Club, Eyes Wide Shot, uh, many sort of era-defining movies, Magnolia, and you know, I'm, I'm glad that I'm here the week you talk about Varsity Blues.
1: <laughs> well, this is like the January dumping ground.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I connect the release of that movie with having school canceled for two weeks because of a huge blizzard in the oh, Northeast. So wow. right after Christmas break, school's out for even longer, and I was just wallowing in video games and cartoons and Simpsons reruns. Mm-hmm. So it was a good time for me to be alive.
1: Not seeing Varsity Blues? Not seeing
0: Varsity Blues. Blues, the roads were treacherous. <laughs>
1: and that Eyes Wide Shut you know he tried to warn us Kubrick tried to Mm. warn us
3: yeah just like with the moon landing 20 years before
1: (laughs) friend of the show Jack Allison on Twitter I saw him joking of like that if you believe Eyes Wide Shut was him warning us about Epstein things then you have to follow that down the rabbit hole to saying like then the moon landing was fake and Kubrick was warning us
3: I read an interview with uh, Pauline Kale that came out shortly after Eyes Wide Shut was released and Pauline Kale really hated it, and she said, I don't get why so many people were willing to cut him so much slack in that movie, I mean, those orgy scenes—they were ridiculous. Who would, who would bankroll those things? They look so expensive. And you know, I think time has rendered Pauline Kale a bit of a fool. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> that reminds me too. Well, your recent tweets of uh, Pauline Kale the uh, influencer, were uh, were very funny.
3: Oh, huh. thanks very much. Well, I mean, we are recording this as the Toronto International Film Festival is happening. So if you're like me, your Twitter feed is probably full of a lot of. Uh, tweets
1: like that
0: (laughs) it's a weird mix of that and tokyo game show tweets so yeah for us (laughs) high and low culture once again (laughs) meeting on twitter
1: Juan, uh, well, and Will, welcome back. Thanks. You're uh, host of uh, a couple podcasts, including me and Bob. One of our favorites, the Michael and Us podcast, mm-hmm. with Luke Savage.
3: Yeah, th- thanks very much, and I- glad to be back here uh, on season ten. For God's
1: sake, <laughs> I mean it's, it's very
3: you know we're at the season. I'm glad to be here because we're at the season that I was finally old enough to watch them as they were first airing. Ooh. And and I say that, but it's not like I have any particular nostalgic attachment to the episode we're watching today does anybody really uh, n- not to spoil anything
0: I think I was enjoying just the uh, the high of snow days so everything <laughs> was good I do remember mm-hmm. watching this episode and thinking what is this weird uh, kind of Nickelodeon kid power message in this episode yeah. uh, because I had just grown out of Nickelodeon and I was uh, I distanced myself from that I'm like I'm a grown-up man of 16 I'm ready to be an adult and uh, I don't like kids anymore and their power well,
3: this is where the age difference between us comes in because as I was ten years old, and I remember watching this episode and feeling sort of empowered by it. I very much liked the idea when I was ten of kids' identity politics. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, like, you know, we had a there was a teacher strike at my school, and then uh, after that, a lot of us, a lot of us kids, thought, well, what would it be like if we had a kids' strike? And we started thinking about like what the logistics of that and the grounds for what a kid's strike would be, would be, you know, too much homework or, or, you know, we don't want to go to school, should be longer recess, that sort of thing. You know, adults are unfair. And as I was watching this episode, I was remembering how how sort of radicalized it made me feel as a (laughs) 10 year old. Uh, I think it's safe to say that I don't have those feelings anymore. Mm.
1: Though your leftism was already coming out and thinking of this organized action that Mm. I guess,
3: but it would be flattering me to say that it was uh, leftism exactly. I would say it was uh, rather more narcissistic than that.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? Nickelodeon was a powder keg on cable. They were an important player in the kids' rights movement. (laughs) <laughs> which has not really yeah. made much progress. But now upon thinking about it, so I have recently just started watching through all of Bob's Burgers. I'm mostly through it now. I started maybe like eight months ago. This kind of feels like a Bob's Burgers episode almost mm. with a focus on just the kids.
1: The kids' shenanigans is a little yeah. Bob's Burgers, yeah. In the past, I've used uh, Rugrats as a pejorative on here, uh, though this is actually more of like a Hey Arnold episode. Yeah, it feels yeah, like. yeah. you can go there. <laughs> It's a weird mix of references as well because it's like you have them watching The Village of the Damned and it ends with a Bye Bye Birdie song. Uh, it starts at a baseball game and then also they kind of take inspiration from a plot of an episode of Leave It to Beaver. Like it's it's yeah. all over the place.
0: Apparently it was heavily rewritten. There are obviously a lot of lines that were ADR'd after the fact, oh, including yeah. one very uh, obvious one that always irritates me. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, <laughs> I, I guess for as troubled as it was in production, I don't think it's a, a bad episode. It just is a little uh all over the place and the ending is is strange. Mm-hmm. I think this they needed to get out. But we can I talk about that when we get to it. That
3: it was a troubled production because it sort of comes across that way to me. I feel like, you know, you were mentioning all the various parodies or the 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 tart the references that it had, and looking back at a better earlier Simpsons, it feels like there's a little more specificity to the satire Mm -hmm. uh, or there's i don't know maybe i'm just making this up but all the references seem very kind of haphazard uh in this
1: Hmm. i i see that there i think that comes from the the sweatiness of a late rewrite on something too like that that kind of comes through there's there's some funny stuff on the commentary with the writer larry doyle uh this is another of his uh that he he talks about how he wanted to name a character after a relative and then the everybody fought him on it and they were like well why he's like well if you say in the writer's room you care about anything you'll be attacked <laughs> by every other writer
0: yeah i guess uh, it was an uncle who was sick at the time based on the tone in the commentary when he mentions him it sounds like he didn't make it i
1: think so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and
0: there's another person that's named in this episode, too, the technical director of the baseball broadcast, yeah. which is also somebody that he knows. <laughs> so two oddly named characters mm. in the beginning of uh, this first act.
1: I just love Doyle airing the dirty laundry of the writer's room of just like, yeah. if, you, if you dare to show weakness, you, you will be pounced upon. <laughs> But, uh, it was, I mean, it was a very jocular writer's room then of like, I believe the only woman in there was Julie Thacker. That was Mike Scully's wife is Mm -hmm. Mike Scully's wife. So I think that led to some of the, uh, the boys club ishness of that. I would imagine
3: pretty white also,
1: right? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Hmm. Not
0: until...
1: No, this, no, definitely not a black guy in the room this time, no. I think in season four, a freelance one was written by an African-American.
0: Michael Carrington.
1: Yeah, Michael Carrington. I can't... Think of anybody else up to this point?
0: Yeah, I don't think anybody up to this point.
1: <laughs> uh, and they all went to Harvard too, so actually, this is the lesser Harvard season uh, than usual.
0: Although there's <laughs> a Harvard brain drain, they all went to Futurama. Yeah, all the Harvard <laughs> and like that's ninety five percent Harvard. It was kind of a joke on our other podcast series. Like, guess where this new writer went to school? And they're all Harvard buddies.
1: Now it's more like, uh, well, is this Futurama writer from the class of '86 or '89, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But this opening of the episode here feels very similar to the um dancing homer episode as well yeah
0: there were a few season two callbacks at least that's how i saw
1: them in this mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. Like, a,
3: a lot of episodes i've seen start with a sports game this is a bit of a simpsons trope isn't it
1: mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah and it's also they long on-ramp to the real story so act one is basically completely unrelated to everything that happens just
0: later. getting homer drunk
1: yeah
3: <laughs> i'm excited to see A bit of an expansion of the Simpsons' diegesis here because we learn about a new sports team. I mean, I'm always amazed by how many different things are in Springfield. Have we ever seen the minor league baseball team, the Isotopes, before this?
1: Yes,
0: they were in Dance and Homer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. They've appeared a couple times, but it's been a little while since we got on the Isotopes game. Oh.
0: I, I apologized all the
3: hardcore Simpsons fans about <laughs> this important part of the mythology.
0: I'm sure they've been back before this. Last reference I can remember was in *Lemon of Troy*. It's like, "You're gonna win a game this year? Gonna try?" And he <laughs> throws the ball like directly in front of him. Yes, uh, yeah. but yeah, isotopes.
1: I had a local minor league team I went to in Jacksonville. The Jacksonville Suns went to a few games of theirs. It's it it's fun uh, at minor league games. They try hard to get you there. Like they, it's it's just about like giveaways. You know, free baseballs and hats and whatnot it's not like the um incredibly expensive experience of going to a san francisco giants baseball game (laughs) that's what baseball
3: is all about in my opinion it should be having fun not caring too much in in the warm weather
0: in case you don't know i think i might have mentioned this on an old old podcast but so so these are the springfield isotopes and in the future there'll be an episode called hungry hungry homer where they move to albuquerque Uh, and because of that Albuquerque's minor league baseball team has named the Isotopes because fans voted for it. Huh. So That's cool. Yeah, pretty uh, cool.
1: I, I found out that my local team has changed their name too. I didn't realize that. the uh, In 2016, the Jacksonville Suns have become the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimps. Mm. Yeah, nope. I don't like it. That's
0: not intimidating.
3: Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I could tell you who my local uh, minor league team is. I'm, I'm very ashamed. <laughs> I think
0: mine is the Scrappers because Youngstown's just a hell world of scrap metal abandoned scrapping everywhere. Scrapping guys, yeah.
1: scrapping things. <laughs> you gotta scrap what's left of the... Hey,
3: how did you guys like the Cindy Lauper cameo?
0: It, it was weird. It felt inexplicable. I didn't get... I mean, I know what the joke is, but I don't know wh- why. <laughs> I guess that's what I want to say. I, or- I
3: would say that that more or less sums up my reaction to most of the pop culture gags in this episode mm-hmm.
0: yeah they just uh, seem uh not rooted in anything and I, I don't know what cindy lopper was doing in 1999 98 i don't know if she yeah. was having a resurgence or anything it was just like oh oh she's here i mean the animation mm-hmm. is good on her it's very expressive but uh no one seems upset by what she's doing what
3: exactly is the gag on her that she sings too long or that she um uh manipulates the star spangled banner into her own style too Gee. much like what are we supposed to kind of take away what's the satiric point being made about cindy lopper here
0: i i don't i mean she does turn it into girls just want to have fun but yeah. i guess the, the better joke was bleeding gums murphy uh, going on way too long with all the yeah. flourishes and everyone falling asleep and multiple cuts within that same song and <laughs> it was a very funny joke
1: yeah so maybe that was like they thought they were just going to do another they maybe in the writer's room they pitch like The gag is the person who overindulges on a saw on the national anthem. And then the, somebody alerted them like, well, we did that <laughs> nine seasons ago. Uh, well, what if it was Cyndi Lauper that did it? And the embellishment is she sings it like girls just want to have fun.
3: Also very funny to me that for some reason Cyndi Lauper is performing at this <laughs> minor league isotopes game in Springfield.
1: Yeah, uh, and it's her. It's really her doing it. it, too. it yeah, <laughs> Which that, yeah, that feels so odd that they're like, it seems like a diss on Cyndi Lauper. Also that they designed her to look like how she looked in 1984, which is not how she looked in 1999. I That's looked true. It up.
0: So I, I looked this up now. Uh, she had a new album out in 1998.
1: That uh, must have been. Then she must have said yes to it just as, like, promotional thing or whatever. And that is
0: her first holiday album, Merry Christmas, Ellipses, Have a Nice Life. So mm. the ellipses are the dot, dot, dot.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh,
0: that's not actually written in text. But, uh, yeah, that would be her uh, only holiday album, I think, which I've never heard.
1: And uh, Cindy Lauper is still with us at 63, and we're being extra cautious these days, so I'm, I'm sure she is in wonderful, health but i'm still gonna play the anti-death jingle just uh-huh. to be safe here <laughs> but all the
0: all the wrestlers she hung out with unfortunately
1: boy they actually are all dead yeah. <laughs> everyone in the goonies video is dead now it's true uh you know what? actually no. iron cheek's in that and he's still alive mm. if you call that live-in <laughs> You know, Cindy Lopper, I I love her. She's like a, a friend of the gay community, which I've That's always true. liked. She I think I saw her drive by at a San Francisco Pride Parade once and hmm. she was like one of the celebrity guests. And and also as a wrestling nerd, I, I really liked her too. Like a, a big secret of her is that she's there wouldn't be a WrestleMania without Cyndi Lauper. That's right. Like she really? Yeah, she is the uh the kindling that started it. Well, not <laughs> even that, like she's more that that almost uh, is too small for her. So, uh, short version is <laughs> there was the pro wrestler Lou Albano who she knew growing oh, up. Oh, Mario, you mean. Yes. Yeah, the only Mario
0: to me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, th- well, but before that, he was a pro wrestler. And when she grew up in the 70s in the New York market, it w- he was one of her favorite bad guys. So when she's making The Girls Just Want to Have Fun video, she asks him to be the guest uh, just to play the dad. And it's just supposed to just be an in-joke. That was one of the most popular music videos ever <laughs> at, yeah. at the time. And so he became a giant star, not as the uh, cheating pro wrestling manager, huh. but as Cindy Lauper's dad. And so WWF at the time, they got hyper involved with her. They're like, you know what? If you want to make that Goonies music video, we'll give you every pro wrestler. They're going to come in and do it. Like all of them will be here. They then talked her into doing a storyline where she gets attacked by Roddy Piper. And <laughs> that attack then leads Hulk Hogan to get his rev... To- defend cindy lopper and fight roddy piper which then creates the main event for the first wrestlemania which she is in attendance at and that <laughs> caused a huge crossover with the mtv audience and so without cindy Lauper wanting to put lou albano in that uh, music video there would be no wrestlemania wow and no modern wrestling
0: so she lent them some much needed credibility
1: yeah and she's not even in their Hall of Fame. Aww. Fucking Donald Trump is, but not her. Mm. That's that's my city law parade. I'm glad to know this.
3: I'm glad to know this. <laughs> uh,
1: also, Henry Taylor, the tape time. Oh, no. Uh, in my look, Are we
0: getting to the final Tales of the Tape?
1: Uh, I don't think I'll have too many more. Okay, Savor everyone out there, everyone. <laughs> Uh, But this is not my fault in the recording this time. This was another time where, in my local market, for whatever reason, the Cyndi Lauper song was cut off until she says, Brave... And then the episode started. Is that
0: because she disrespected the national anthem?
1: My personal belief is that my local broadcaster in Jacksonville censored it Ooh. to not show such an un-American thing uh-uh. as mis singing the song. But yeah, so I didn't hear this this joke until the DVDs of it. My wow. tapes didn't have her singing it.
3: Well, I hope it was worth the wait.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now these days, I've been to some baseball games, and I am tempted to stay seated during anthems, but I seriously am... Fe- fearing being physically attacked while I, if I were to sit down. So,
0: my friend and I once went to a local wrestling show just of random local wrestlers, mm-hmm. and the show was about to start. So, we got up to get a beer because everyone was sitting down while we're getting a beer. The national anthem doesn't start, but I'm proud to be an American starts. Mm. And everyone stands up and puts their hand over their hearts. And we're walking oh. back with beer and getting sneered at. Like, uh, how dare you? It's not,
1: man, that song's terrible. That's not the anthem. No, it's, it's not. not. It's not even <laughs> it's like... Uh, least, I will admit it's catchier. Yeah.
0: I love that stand-up part.
1: Oh, yeah. When you hear that part, you're like, huh? that's why you stand during, I guess, you're like... Oh, I'll proudly stand up next to you and defenders still like, today.
0: Hypothetically, I am a troop mm-hmm. via the power of the song. We're
1: all troops.
3: Actually, that song is easier to sing than the Star Spangled Banner. So, I mean, listen, it's your country. Uh, you, can, you can choose whatever you want. But I would, I would frankly go with the later song.
0: I would go with the Hulk Hogan theme.
1: Uh, another WWF fact. Uh, <laughs> Vince McMahon also hates the anthem. He thinks it's not a good song. Mm. So he starts uh, WrestleManias with America the Beautiful. Ah, yeah. uh, which you know that's a good i think that's a better song too than all the the ramparts we watched gallantly streaming at yeah, boring boring stuff
0: do all the do verses you
3: think, do you think vince mcmahon ever looks at trump and thinks why him not me
0: oh every yeah, day absolutely
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've uh i've said this before but they they are the same person like they're mm. the the exact same person uh slightly
0: different builds
1: yeah well that's the thing vince mcmahon is obsessed with exercise while donald trump is is uh, the opposite of that. But <laughs> but they're the same, like um, they're within a year of the same age. They're the sons of rich guys who act like they're self-made men. Uh, they're both the sons of fathers who brutally hated them and treated <laughs> them awfully. He, and also, we can't get away from the children of Vince McMahon either. Just like, you know, another difference is Vince McMahon actually uplifted his wife and let her do the political uh, campaigning instead of doing it himself. She failed twice to be senator in Connecticut. Mm. She uh, I think they lost like $40 million on that, which that's nice. That's awesome. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so this episode starts uh, with the fa- with the family watching a baseball game.
4: America, the brave, the brave, home of the brave. Thank you, Cindy Lauper. Just a reminder, folks, we do have a baseball game day. (laughs) I'm Dennis Conroy, and here come your
2: isotopes.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Let's welcome two new additions to the team, Smash Diggins and Fishbone Walkie. Lucky for they were sent down from the
5: mages for drug violations. Well, stupid isotopes.
4: Hurry up and lose so we can
6: get out of here! Why do you hate the isotopes so much, Dad?
5: Because I loved them once and they broke my heart. Let that be a lesson to you, sweetie. Never love anything. Even you? Especially me.
7: <laughs> but you gotta support the team, Dad. They're already threatening to move to Moose Jaw. That's right. Like my mother always said, you've got to stick it out, even if you pick the loser. Mm. To the bitter end.
1: Nice implication that Marge hates Homer. This yeah. is a real dark time for their marriage. Yeah, at this point. it's a
0: bad time for Marge <laughs> in these seasons, in general.
1: <laughs> the Where they clink their urine test together for just a second, I, every time I think, are they going to drink it? Mm. Like, it's just very odd maybe that i uh, just me that thinks they put that they <laughs> put
0: the punchline in your head
1: yes yeah and that's a non-speaking appearance by lunch lady doris there is mm-hmm. the tester homer's the right to have his heart broken because this is the team that fired him for being their mascot uh eight seasons previous so. i
0: don't know how sports teams are doing now but since mm-hmm. we live in the bay area i'm sick of being surrounded by winners <laughs> it's very very annoying
1: well, uh recently our our local sports team got defeated by Wills local sports team.
0: Oh right, I was a big fan of that. So the Toronto Raptors. Correct? Yes,
3: yes, I do vaguely recall that. Um I mean, I really wish you could have been here to witness what it was like in the city because it's been I think the last Stanley Cup that we won was 1967. Wow. So all of the city's displaced Stanley Cup energy went into that Raptors victory. the The atmosphere in the city was very much like you know, as as you see in this episode, where Homer is is like, ah, you know, uh, the isotopes suck, and then all of a sudden he's he's immediately on the bandwagon when they start when they start winning. That is very much like that in Toronto. It was actually uh, quite quite nice. The city really came alive.
1: Uh, that not as much destruction as uh, as happens in Springfield later.
3: <laughs> there was some destruction. There was a big, um, I, I guess, uh, a block party. I want to say after that took up the entire downtown. I think there were. Something like 3 million people out, which is bigger than the actual population of Toronto is. Uh, so, And I believe there were some shootings at that. But oh, I don't know. if you get 3 million people out, inevitably something like that's going to happen.
0: As someone who will be moving to Canada at some point soon, I use that uh, win to flex my new loyalty <laughs> to Canada.
1: Uh, yeah, but Bob, you're moving to British Columbia. That's like the total other side like, of It's like
0: America Jr. <laughs>
3: The whole other country. I don't even know it. What do you
1: know about Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan? Will?
3: Oh, um, I mean, if you want to know about Canada, you're really asking the wrong guy. Uh, I know about my my neighborhood, um, but I do what I know about Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan is the name.
1: Okay, it's a funny name. I thought it was a joke name they made up for, like it was the new Shelbyville in the show, and I then was surprised to find out it's a real place.
3: Yeah, and I'm sure the people who live there love it.
0: If they had internet, they'd be furious
1: with us. The Toronto's winning really ruined uh, the Warriors. Like they really wanted that fifth championship in a decade, but
3: yeah, yeah. poor guys. <laughs> Only four.
1: <laughs> yeah, the I uh, I don't want to hurt the feelings of Warriors fans out there, but I feel like that loss was deserved because the Warriors are doing what all jerk offs do <laughs> in this in uh, the Bay Area, which is once they got successful enough, they abandoned the east. Bay and they're moving to San Francisco Um, and so uh, like the the venture capitalist Dickles who owned the Warriors, they made the Warriors successful enough that they could finally build a stadium in an arena in San Francisco and move the team over there um, Which uh, Well,
3: something similar is happening here because of course Kawhi Leonard the man who, um, if I am to believe my Twitter feed single-handedly won for the Raptors (laughs) didn't get out of here fast enough after... (laughs) After he started getting some uh, U.S. contracts, Uh, which is as it always happens
1: in Canada. Wayne Gretzky all over again. That's Mm, that's right. Magic.
4: (laughs) The Simpsons will be right back.
1: podcast is woo not over yet and we have a big thank you to our guest will sloan for coming on this week everybody should check out his awesome podcast the important cinema club and michael and us me and bob are big fans of those and if you enjoy the talking simpsons podcast you should really consider supporting it on patreon at patreon.com slash talking simpsons $5 $5 and up supporters help me and Bob do this as our full-time jobs. Not only for our weekly Talking Simpsons content, but also our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, where we go over a different animated series each week. And if you sign up at the $5 level, for starters, you get every episode of Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon a week ahead of time and ad-free. You could be hearing next week's episode right now. You'd also get access to all of our Patreon-exclusive content, like interviews with folks who've worked on The Simpsons for over 30 years in some cases our monthly community podcast and biggest of all our exclusive patreon mini series where we give the talking simpsons treatment to the entire series of the critic the first season of king of the hill the first season of futurama and coming very soon for our five dollar patrons the first 10 episodes of season two of futurama we've got a ton planned for you there so much bang for your buck at five dollars a month sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons You love movies like *The Bloodening*, then you'll really like our *What a Cartoon Movie* podcast that we do exclusively for our $10 and up patrons once a month at patreoncom simpsons Our $10 premium Patreon subscribers get access to a new *What a Cartoon Movie* podcast where me and Bob talk for three to four hours even, about a different animated feature film. Our most recent one is Cowboy Bebop the Movie. Before that, we did titles like Aladdin, Akira, A Goofy Movie, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, and so many more. You can only hear those if you're a $10 and up subscriber, and all that support really helps us out. Please consider going up to the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. After all that, we see the pitcher destroy his shoulder in a pitch. That guy Vicious
0: sound effect.
1: He's made to look like Raleigh fingers of uh, classic Oakland athletics. Oh, okay. Uh, game. I didn't know that. The way his shoulder dangles is really
0: disgusting. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Now, Homer actually is acting a bit like my dad at any sports games we went to. He would not want to stay for the full thing, which I, you know, I understand it now, Dad. I, I'm old enough to know that. I'd rather, instead of seeing a team win or lose, I'd rather beat the traffic.
0: I mean, I witnessed what happened to you after your last baseball game. Oh, it my was, horrible uh, sunburn? A yes. near heat stroke. <laughs> Sunstroke conditions.
1: Baseball is uh, you forget to put on your own sunscreen. If you go to one baseball game every two years, you will uh, you forget that. Yeah, uh,
3: you gotta
0: figure out where the shady part is.
1: I, I don't want to say the friend who bought tickets for us was being cheap, but we did sit <laughs> in the bleachers that had no shade. Which... Under
0: a giant magnifying glass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that they only put on the poor people and these by the way these cheap seats were 70 dollars at san francisco giants that was the cheap seats homer leaves because the the game already sucks and uh dan starts ad-libbing a song about hitler and mussolini yeah do you
0: know the the fun song no I, it's no. uh whistle while you work hitler is a jerk mussolini bit his weenie now it doesn't work oh. and i'm sure there are more voice verses about other fascists but uh that's about as far as i got okay
1: yeah mm-hmm. Homer, Homer warning us that Hitler was a jerk is more relevant than ever.
0: It feels like a, an edgy comment these days. <laughs>
1: so I was surprised to find out Babe Ruth only had daughters and, uh, there is no Babe Ruth mm. Jr. Let alone third or fourth, they,
0: but they got how ugly he was <laughs> yes. in this descendant.
1: <laughs> but I do think they, uh, they were correct that he had enough illegitimate children that it, it's believable that in the Simpsons universe, he had another, some son out there like his, one of his daughters, he adopted, uh, her name is Julia Ruth Stevens, hmm. and he adopted her, but it was just cover for her being the illegitimate child of uh, of, a, of a mistress. Uh, okay. And believe it or not, Julia lived until March of this year, what? dying at 102. Oh, yeah. what a nightmare. <laughs> uh, the Babe Ruth for the fourth joke also reminds me of how, uh, you know, the dynasties of entertainment these days, like how the Reitman family is now directing Ghostbusters as they as they should be. And J.J. Abrams is priming up his kid to enter the business, too. Oh, that's right.
3: Unfortunately, it doesn't quite work that way with sports like. <laughs> Uh, With sports, you sort of have to physically be able to do it. Whereas in (laughs) entertainment, yeah, you know, any Reitman can get in there and hold a megaphone and uh, be a traffic
1: cop. Mm
0: -hmm. What is the J.J. Abrams child project?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, he's just getting started, but... Uh, So Marvel Comics really wanted J.J. Abrams to write a comic book for them, and J.J. Abrams said, "Well, if I co-write it with my child, I'll do it." And so Marvel announced it as like J.J. Abrams writes Spider-Man, but it's J.J. Abrams and chris abrams uh, or whatever his dumb name is they presented themselves like sitting next to each other he's like oh my son is he's gonna be such a great writer i'm like this is it this is here's the guy who's gonna direct star wars in 10 years like 100 he's sitting he's right there i just
0: found out that joss whedon's dad was a big player in the golden girls circuit oh yeah, yeah. and also his real name is joseph boo i didn't know that he's a uh, fraud I on two counts that
3: we were recording this as the toronto film festival is happening and one of the movies playing is a documentary directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, and it's called Dads. Oh. It's, just, it's just sort of a meditation on the concept of having a dad. Oh. Dads. A lot of celebrities in it talking about their dads, including, of course, Ron Howard. And... <sighs> I, I feel it was unwise of the festival to program
1: that film. <laughs> yeah, that's, boy, that depressed. I did not know about this. This uh, I think she's a good actress. Like, oh, sure. I, uh, but, but I mean, there but...
3: gets to be, a, she is a good actress, but there gets to be a point where you become so famous and rich that you get so insulated from the world and you think, oh, I have a dad. That's really special and unique. Mm-hmm.
0: What if there was a movie about dads? No one has ever done it. It's not a major theme in any movie.
3: <laughs> and, and, and guys, do you know do you know who my dad is <laughs> uh,
1: why aren't we talking about dads <laughs> celebrities are just so um insulated from being told they're wrong that you kind of can just do anything at that point it reminds me too of how these uh well this is a whole sidetrack yeah. but chris evans seems like a good guy all that but i think it's silly that he it he was like we need to do something about politics these days i'm starting the. Uh, Like sensible centrist group to just get people Uh, talking. I'm like, none of these celebs just join an already existing organization. They always want to start their own thing so they can host the parties.
0: I'm still part of Alyssa Milano's sex strike, by the way. So, (laughs) hands off, everybody.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm curious when it got to this point when every celebrity was expected to have an opinion about politics. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I feel like as recently as 10 years ago, I basically didn't know the political views of most celebrities. I mean, you just sort of assume that they're kind of Hollywood liberals for the most part. Um, And then there are one or two people like I mean, I guess you used to know Clint Eastwood was a conservative or that Warren Beatty was a liberal, mm. but uh, all of a sudden now every celebrity is expected to to have some some big opinions on on things.
1: I, I guess that's part of your engagement policy, but you also have to do the careful dance of not having too strident an opinion, or right. else you're like Susan Sarandon. Uh, right. yeah, but everything.
3: it's also irresponsible to have no opinion because if you're, I, I think, wasn't it Taylor Swift that everybody... Uh, w- was angry at her for not not making an endorsement in the last election
1: i believe it, so yeah yeah because yeah, that, that's irresponsible
0: anyway back to the <laughs> wait i don't think obama has given his stance on politics yet mm. since
1: he like uh left the presidency uh he's too busy producing netflix series just, like we need to come together
3: mm-hmm. yeah that's that's his politics
1: <laughs> uh his, his big netflix series it'll be funny to see the obama's documentary sitting right next to the like triggered much stand up <laughs> comedy special <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> Babe Ruth the Fourth uh, predicts a bunt, which instantly gets him out. That's, uh, that's a cute little gag on how baseball works. Um, they they head off uh, after they lost. Homer drives away, and uh, the losers have lost, as I call this next clip.
4: <laughs> That'll bring up Babe Ruth the Fourth. Of course, he's no Babe Ruth the Third, but the franchise is very excited about this illegitimate
7: great-grand-bambino,
4: and. What's this? He's pointing to the right field bleachers, probably at a dying little boy.
7: <laughs> Mom, am I dying? No, of course not. Is he, Mom? You can tell me. No!
4: Now he's pointing to the ground. Is he indicating a butt? Yes, he's bunning!
5: <laughs> Good hustle, Ken! <kid. laughs> no, it doesn't work. The one, the losers.
7: No, they lost. <laughs> Losers. But only by 2 points and they didn't resort to stealing bases like the other team, so it's kind of a moral victory.
6: With a little middle relief, they might even make the playoffs.
5: You'll be in your cold, cold grave before that ever happens. Homer, would you
7: please stop talking about the children's graves?
3: I gotta say, you play that clip, and I'm starting to think maybe I've been too hard on this episode. <laughs> lots of laughs.
0: There's lots of good lines. Yeah. Uh, as someone who doesn't follow sports or really know about them very much, I just realized you're not supposed to announce a bunt. A bunt is a surprise yes, play. That's the, uh, and that's yeah. the joke. I mean, yeah. I got the whole pointing to the thing, the Babe uh, Ruth pointing where the ball will go, but.
1: No, the this this stuff's funny i think it it loses a little steam when the when the kids take over and it becomes uh an r-gang <laughs> parody but uh but no i like i like homers did the losers win no they lost losers that's that's good i this uh i it this bit always strikes me as odd that like this is the only time ever that lisa appears to not only enjoy baseball but But understand it at, like, a higher level than most people engage with it. Like, she's, I don't think has ever uh, since or before had an opinion on the game of baseball. Like, knowing middle relief stuff and going over the scorecard, like, that's baseball nerdery right there.
0: Well, I guess maybe just like in Lisa the Greek, she learns about sports to interact with Homer. Ah. Just so they have something to talk about.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, their skills from football are transferable. After that scene, we then have a quick cut to six months later, which that is very out of left field, too, not (laughs) to not make a baseball reference. Yeah, I always
3: like to imagine, like, what were the episodes that unfolded (laughs) in that six months in between?
1: Uh, I guess if that was six months, then that and it's at the end of the baseball season, then that would be, like, March when the first scene happens, and it's, like, October Hmm. in the last scene. So Uh, did the
3: episode where Homer's on the sub, did that happen in between?
1: Homer lost his job, got hired by the Navy, and then got dis- discharged all in the yeah. same time. And the, that, that also means the Soviet Union is back in the world of The Simpsons since that episode. Yeah, yeah. Homer arrives at the bar, and he finds out just the way me and Bob find out that sports is happening uh, by going to a bar like, and seeing lots of people at Well, it. I can't have a
0: conversation in here, so... Yeah.
1: That's uh, one of our favorite pizza places. Every time we're like, all right, time to go here. Major sports are probably over, but then... We live in such a liberal college town that there actually was a full bar of people to see the Women's World Cup, which... I, I was, you know, that's a progressive win there, but I, yeah. I was, I was, uh, I just wanted to eat pizza alone.
0: I'm very disappointed in that my local pizza place that I love and go to a lot, they always used to show Turner Classic movies on every TV, mm. like throughout the entire opening, closing of the restaurant. But recently people complained too much. So now they show sports. Boo. Yeah. Oh.
3: That breaks my heart. It's terrible. I have
0: half watched so many movies, old movies at that bar.
1: Oh, it's great. It sucks.
3: It's uh, like the idea of people going there and like seeing, uh, I don't know, Humphrey Bogart on a TV and just getting mad, like angry and complaining.
0: (laughs) One time I I can actually, that's a joke, but I can see that happening in real life because one time I was uh, with my family at Thanksgiving and my sister, who is not nearly as cultured as me, of course, (laughs) we were all watching dial M for murder on whatever TCM or whatever was showing it. My Mm -hmm. family and I, she walks into the room, looks at the TV and she's like, this movie's old, <laughs> and that was all she had to add. Like she was alarmed, like she wanted to let us know something was wrong. So yeah, it's, uh, it's
3: funny to think that that's probably how like ninety percent of people are when they're confronted with old media. Yeah, it's uh, I think like a lot of people look at a movie like that and they think it's almost like why would you watch this? That's like having an old iPod.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like she wanted us to let she wanted to let us know the movie had expired.
3: Yeah, yeah, are <laughs> This since then. <laughs>
1: Uh, I, you know, I think I probably only watched that movie because it was a reference in the Simpsons. I think actually I, uh, I did a whole Hitchcock, like, well, I wouldn't have called it a binge back then, but over like a month, we rented every Hitchcock film that was at the blockbuster just because I noticed the Simpsons was referencing Hitchcock all the time. So I needed to know these things.
0: I did that as a teen just to get all the references. <laughs> and I enjoyed tons of the movies.
1: Yeah, me
3: too. Did, did you watch Citizen Kane that way?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I saw that in a, one of my first film classes yeah, in college. Me too. Yeah. yeah, it
1: was a first film class thing, but that also had the same like click. Oh, here's every reference on The Simpsons. Makes sense now. Yeah.
3: I think they've done pretty much every scene from that movie in The Simpsons in some form or another.
1: I I think so. Every, ma- like, even the little things like Joseph Cotton with his torn up program flipping it yeah. back and forth. They even yeah. did that. that I, by the way, though, Michael Nuss and Citizen Kane, that was a really, <laughs> really good one.
3: Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, it was nice to watch a good
1: movie for a change. <laughs> <laughs> uh, instead of just, like, AstroTurfed Beto O'Rourke content. Oh,
3: my <laughs> God. Oh my God. I, I am living in the Democratic primaries.
1: Oh, uh, God. It, uh, I, I don't envy you in that. <laughs> that documentary is made before he became the swearing guy. Ooh.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, for people who don't know, on On my podcast, we just watched a documentary about Beto O'Rourke's run in Texas, which uh, I think it's called "Running with Beto." I want to say, and it was produced by the Pod Save America guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's already evaporating from my memory. But one of the (laughs) things that's sort of interesting about it is, by by the time we watched, like Beto O'Rourke's appeal, it was so enormous about a year ago. And then his, his popularity evaporated almost instantly. So it feels like this, it was, it's like a relic the second it came out. (laughs) And it's interesting too, because the documentary ends on election night with, you know, Beto obviously losing very narrowly to Ted Cruz. And Beto seems utterly untroubled by this. He seems totally fine because he knows that's okay. The, the presidential run is happening right after this.
1: God, what a, just such a waste. He actually, like in another Senate race in Texas, he'd have a real chance. Yeah, uh, it's not too late. Yeah. Not too late. I mean, I suppose it's, I think you guys have said on the thing too before of like, well, you know, it's, it, even if you don't lose, even if you don't win, you get famous enough from the presidential run you just get another swing at it anyway or so.
0: speaking tours or whatever yeah, yeah
3: yeah or he gets to be you know secretary of state for president biden or whatever oh, no, uh, don't
1: say that don't say that <laughs> hey hey
3: I... <laughs> don't shoot the messenger
1: <laughs> hey all we need is a couple more eye bleeds and we're gonna have uh, candidate bernie i i want to believe this just <laughs>
3: yeah maybe maybe
1: one more bleeding eye
0: he's got to bleed from at least three head holes to uh <laughs> shake <laughs> anybody yeah on.
1: Uh, but, well, speaking of bleeding from head holes, that's what Homer thinks Mo did huh. at the start of this oh, next nice. clip.
5: What's the hubbub? Did Moe finally blow his brains out? Quiet, we're watching the isotopes. Cut it off, they're losers. Will you bit, The isotopes are on fire.
2: Yeah, that sniper at the All-Star game was a blessing <laughs> in disguise. Oh. Now we're in the
4: championship game.
2: Championship? Hmm. Woo! <laughs> 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 Topes rule!
4: Well, here's a diehard fan. Sir, your beloved isotopes are about to make history. Any thoughts?
5: Uh, it's a great team, Kent. You never gave up hope. I want to thank Jesus and say hi to my special lady, March. We did it, baby! Woo! Woo!
4: The inspiring words of a fan who'll always root, root, root for the home team. Even if they lose this they game... They lost! Those losers! No, no, no. The game's not over.
5: Woo! Not over! Woo!
4: There you have it. Woo.
3: Something I want to say about this. Homer comes across extremely badly in this episode throughout. (laughs) Not just because of the fact that he's a craven bandwagon jumper, but also... He seems to have been rooting for Mo to have killed
1: himself. Yes, yes. yes. He's yeah. been waiting for so long. So
0: we have like a suicide joke <laughs> followed by a mass shooting joke. Yes, yes. And I believe I was reading on the wiki that that joke was taken out of syndicated versions of that episode while the the Baltimore sniper thing was happening or maybe like a London sniper thing was, was that happening. The bu-
1: I can't, there's so many snipers in the early 2002s. Remember, yeah. I mean,
0: I miss the snipers. They were creative. They had patience. <laughs> I'm
1: sick yeah, of this I, I spray and pray crap.
3: I remember the dc sniper that yeah. was a that was a, a big deal for about god it just feels so ancient doesn't it
1: yeah yeah it's 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 so many corpses ago it really uh, i <laughs> i mean that joke is so cruel but i i do love the uh, all-star game <laughs> joke yeah and the lip sync is way off so it's a a late edition but uh, normally i wonder like oh what they had before might have been funnier but i really love that moe is celebrating that a sniper at the all-star game won the isotope that's the only
0: reason they're winning too Uh, i mean homer does come off bad i think it's the most drunk driving on screen with him to date and possibly they didn't do much more of that afterwards (laughs) but there's just like minutes of drunk driving
1: yeah he's uh homer overall is this this is one of his darker moments i think uh and his destruction of school which he doesn't remember at all but yeah and his lying to the camera with uh with can't that I really love that it it captures the local guy at bar who gets interviewed who's such a bandwagon fan. I, I like to think Homer stole those clothes off of someone outside instantly <laughs> and put them on.
3: I mean, why not? He's such a monster in this episode. Yeah. A complete sociopath. Why wouldn't he just beat up somebody in an alley,
1: steal his clothes and just walk in? Yeah. No, that that sounds like that sounds like our Homer these days in the show. I guess they
0: dropped that whole pickled egg lottery system for designated driving.
1: Well, this is a special occasion. That's true. It's true. It's the big game. You just got to let the Topes... And as they are celebrating, the when the Topes win, they hit get the home run. It's a uh, Topes win, and we get to hear about Krampowski, the uh, the relative of uh, another Larry Doyle relative. Oh, yeah, the technical director. Yes. So he's like,
0: going, going, going. Then he announces that who the technical director <laughs> was.
1: Barney then grabs a keg and just sprays everybody with beer. They all start getting drawn.
0: Sprays Brockman out of the bar with I- it.
1: I've never had ramaki, I don't think.
0: I looked up what it was. I've never had it. Apparently, it's a tiki-style appetizer. Mm. So it's water chestnuts and pieces of chicken liver wrapped in bacon and marinated in soy sauce and either ginger or brown sugar. So I'm not a big fan of organ meat. Can't go there.
1: (laughs) I mean, if you wrap it in bacon, though, it's hard to get it wrong. I uh, though I'm also not a fan of water chestnuts. Like they maybe I need to open my t- palate some more to appreciate it. Uh but yeah, the uh they go on a bender. I do like the gag of K- Lenny and Carl punching each other in the face as they both say isotopes. That's, uh and also I like that Carl really has the energy of a drunk friend who tries to make a reference that everyone ignores by saying like, "Hey, who's on first right? Nobody <laughs> nobody references.
0: It that. is the same drunk driving crew from the New York episode too, right? Lenny, Carl, Barney, yeah. and Homer. Yeah. Though
1: so this time Barney Drunk with them, yeah. The, I think this also is in the time where they decided Homer is like a party monster who just gets drunk and destroys things instead of. Uh, uh, I I don't know. I never thought of him as is that type of drunk on the show until these seasons. Yeah.
3: What are some of the recent examples of this?
1: Well, definitely the New York one, he got super drunk and well, he was like flying around and saying, I'm Peter pantsless, but.
0: And then there was the uh, prohibition episode too, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He got, uh, though he's not like doing destruction. Mm. Like he's not destroying things while drunk until then. this might, this might be his first really destructive, uh, drunken episode.
3: Well, there's, the treehouse of horror episode i think it's the omega man
0: uh-huh.
1: where
3: i mean he's not drunk in it but his his i guess ideal reality after the world is uh destroyed is him like running around like partying by himself and mutilating corpses and dancing you know.
0: naked in the church
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i guess he's acting i think they forgot that that was a if that if they're like well we did that with homer we can do other stuff like that is a halloween episode where you're allowed to go farther with the character and people don't mind as much i think just in the escalation of jokes you make homer more and more sociopathic as it goes to surprise people Uh, and if you go on long enough eventually your lead character is a gigantic monster
3: (laughs) yeah has homer killed anybody in the course of this
1: show oh Oh, plenty of people 19. Mm. So he causes a pileup, I remember, in Homie the Clown. That's my
0: first go to. Yeah.
1: Because, yeah. uh, like,
3: directly murders someone.
1: Hmm. It's he, had to have happened up to this point. He drove Frank Grimes to doing an action that would kill himself.
0: We just watched an episode where he ran over uh, Don Rickles.
1: Yeah, he did. And yeah. Joan Rivers. <laughs> they both right. said they were okay. Uh, and he watched that guy drown. He did do that. Yeah, the, uh, the the alcoholic who fell in the water. He watched that. So death through inaction by He's, neglect, which by is, neglect. is a criminal act.
3: <laughs> Very troubling. <laughs>
1: Uh, well also, speaking of crimes and all their destruction, I think them showering, at, them getting naked at us in the elementary school to shower—that's indecent exposure. That could get them marked as like uh, sex criminals.
0: Another painful, just cartilage ripping noise when Barney falls in the shower too. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> I got to give it to their uh, their sound department for getting that all together there. Uh, and so Homer wakes up. He's got a, a slightly new twist on his usual hangover design with his red eyes in it and just his empty stairs it's um so our next episode we're going to do is actually we're uh we're going to do the pilot for Family Guy because that airs next and that's in the Simpsons universe and it struck me that this is the same plot this moment in this episode of The Simpsons at the end of the first act, it's uh, also in the first episode of Family Guy where he is hung over in front of his family at the d- breakfast table. Yeah. Uh, all the same. Like it hit
0: Except uh, it's heightened in that he's laying on the table, right?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, if it's nothing if not a Homer joke heightened. Like that's the whole point.
3: Well, I take your point, but I think you'll find that there are no other similarities between Family Guy <laughs> and The Simpsons.
0: I think the writer for this episode on the commentary, he mentions the uh, the goalpost exploding. Yeah. And he says, also yeah. seen on Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. So there are some fun <laughs> digs at Family Guy on uh, The Simpsons commentaries.
3: This is why I was so upset when they finally did a Simpsons Family Guy crossover episode. It's like, do people have no principles anymore?
0: (laughs) I gotta say, I mean, technically, every time I get enraged about this, Henry reminds me, technically it is a Family Guy production.
1: Yes, But I
0: did watch it, and I can't even talk about it on this network
1: i don't like bart being in the same room as a rape joke that yeah happens. i don't like that i i blame seth MacFarlane's success they they felt like they could knock him when he was a guy who had a canceled show who seemingly would never get another show but once he became a very successful filmmaker and television producer, and movie star, and movie star, <laughs> uh, they decided like, well, we gotta we gotta be friendly with him, so let's just do a let's do a crossover. You forgot
0: recording artist Henry.
1: Oh uh, yes, and his sister too. Like we talk about the nepotism, like his sister, who I mean, she's a fine singer, but like she, he just cast her in multiple of his shows and put out an album of her singing, like Rachel McFarland sings. Oh boy. I don't
3: no, it's like if the Beatles did a guest track on a monkeys album. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: a great way of putting uh, it. <laughs> Maybe uh, if we hit like... Let's say $30,000. Mm-hmm. I will deign to talk about that special.
1: Uh, I mean, <laughs> what? Well, In about five years, I think we'll get to that Maybe. point chronologically. W- with
0: inflation, what does that even mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Homer tries to remember what happened, but he just gets uh, old timey video footage. And then we have a scene missing gag, which. That is referenced a lot online. Oh, yeah. That is a good one. But though it's like, I, I, I thought it was a Nine Inch Nails Closer video reference when I was oh. a teen. Uh, and then uh, as Homer uh, comes to and realizes he can't remember, he calls Lisa Big Maggie, which I thought that was <laughs> that cute. That is good. <laughs> uh, but the destruction is apparent to the news media.
7: Hello,
5: Big Maggie.
7: Yes, yes, yes. Someone trashed the school. What the dilly
4: Where this morning the three R's stand for rowdiness, ransacking, and e-responsibility. Any suspects, Chief?
2: None. That's why we're jumping to the conclusion that this was the work of no good punk kids. Kids? Therefore, effective immediately, I am imposing a curfew. Any kid caught on the street after dark will be shot. Or return to their parents, as the situation may warrant. <gasps>
6: Whoa, curfew?
2: Serves you little punks right. <laughs> Maybe next time, you'll think before. Oh, my god! Look at those run kids' did to my car!
3: God, you keep playing these clips, and I'm just laughing at every single one of
1: them. <laughs> Marge saying, "What the Dillio?" That uh, later they mock. NBC sitcoms like just shoot me and all that, but yeah, Marge saying that it was no different from that NBC sitcom style. I like, think
0: they're doing we like weird meta commentary on sitcoms because later, so we have the just uh, don't go there sitcom in this, mm-hmm. but then later Hibbert's like you said a girlfriend yeah, or whatever. Like yeah. I don't know what they're doing. I guess it's funny that it's, Marge is picked picked up on a weird catchphrase from TV.
1: <laughs> uh, on the commentary, they mentioned they had to heavily coach Julie, uh, Julie, to say what the Dilio the correct way. It
0: didn't. Dilio didn't stick with us for very long.
1: No, no. I think even by the time it was in this episode, nobody said it anymore. Uh, the the gag is like in three years later, it would have been Marge saying like in the his house or whatever. Yeah. Uh, ugh, barf. But I do like the plot point that the cops and the media work together to blame children when it's really the mainstream violence of a championship celebration that they're <laughs> all ignoring. I do like that.
3: Yeah, they go after society's most vulnerable and oppressed peoples. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: if only they were doing like broken window checks as well. Yeah. But, uh, and Wiggum, though, has an incredible amount of power to impose a curfew on his own. And just yeah,
3: I mean... Wiggum seems a little out of character in this episode, not only for how much power he has, but for how decisively he wields it.
1: Yeah, you know, normally he's much lazier than this.
3: Yeah, he's having a very kind of evil Orwellian figure in this episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually his billboard is very big brother. That's true. uh, As we come back from commercial break, uh, the kids remark on all the things that, uh, (laughs) all the rights they have. We get a cute little kids rights section here.
7: Kids just slap a curfew on us. We have rights. Sure you do. You have the right to remain silent. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that was cold-blooded, Marge. Yeah.
6: But it's not fair. Adults always blame kids for
7: everything.
5: Well, if kids are so innocent, why is everything bad named after them? Acting childish, kidnapping, child abuse.
7: <laughs> what about adultery?
5: Not until you're older, son.
1: That's a really good joke. Uh, yeah, I, I, Homer approves of him having adultery, just only as an adult. He's he doesn't. We're, have to... de-
3: we're definitely getting to the part where you know, imagine ten-year-old me feeling very kind of hyped up and empowered, and <laughs> Bart saying we have rights would have resonated very strongly with me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, that that stuff would get me to, like, uh, I when I was 10, I saw Home Alone, and that's what jazzed me up for the hmm. empowerment of children. Oh, yeah. Good time. And uh, Dude, well, I would
3: watch Home Alone and think, God, wouldn't it be so fun if burglars came to my house and I could, <laughs> you know... Sit- Throw a brick at them or whatever.
1: <laughs> uh, just kill these guys, just murder them on your house with state yeah. ground laws. <laughs>
3: yeah, suffer post traumatic stress disorder probably from watching a
1: grown man die in front of you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we just s-
0: burn them up in the giant stove in your mansion.
1: <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Uh, we, we said it before, but we support those burglars now because he just lives in a mansion. They got too much stuff. Like just, just, rot. I, I'm on their side now.
3: Oh yeah. The burglars are probably, you know, very, you know, poor and they, you know, they probably have addiction issues that, uh, Chris Columbus and John Hughes don't get into.
1: <laughs> and they're just breaking into empty houses. These are nonviolent yeah. crimes. And they yeah. have
0: a bit and they stick to it. Yeah. The wet bandits. <laughs>
3: John Hughes of the writer of Home Alone was of course a Republican in real life. Mm. I think all your listeners need to be made aware of this.
0: I wasn't aware of I, this. I man. can see that though. The creator I
3: mean, of I Long, Dog... for that is I saw uh, Ben Stein being interviewed once and he he offhandedly mentioned that. So mm. if if the fact is good enough for Ben Stein <laughs>
1: it's good for me. Uh, I mean he's right about evolution and he's right about that. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Uh, And so uh, the kids, they're being... taken off the street there's another like season two callback too. there yeah it's yeah. uh
0: from itchy and scratchy and marge although in season two episodes a much longer pan across the entire neighborhood here it's like a little echo of that uh, i don't know if they remembered that they did that before or if they're intentionally calling back to a similar scene i mean
3: they're using i, the- I think they probably are because it's the same music yeah. and it's the same yeah. Pan in contrast to that scene in itchy and scratchy and marge in that one it's apparently this very novel thing, like the kids are never outside. They're always inside watching TV. And so that episode has this idyllic vision of what if everyone got outside and rediscovered themselves? Whereas in this one, it's it's positing that in fact, uh, the kids of Springfield are outside all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. always doing stuff yeah uh, yeah you know that uh, boy you're poking another hole in this one <laughs> you're right.
3: yeah I actually immediately regret saying that oh no <laughs> I, I listen to myself say that and I'm thinking to myself oh come on
1: <laughs> no where well, you're in you're in good company to make that uh. <laughs>
0: I think there was only a curfew for minors uh, where I grew up after I became an adult, but it never would have, uh, have affected me because I was not a go-outside-at-night mm. child. I was like, well, the outside is not a thousand-hour Japanese RPG for me to play. <laughs> what, what's in it for me?
1: yeah. No, I, uh, I very much stayed indoors most of the time, so I, I don't know what the curfew was in my area until only in like 17 or something, I started to befriend the bad kids who, who talked me into staying out past my, cur- my personal curfew with my parents. I do like the drawing of Martin with his little coin purse. I think that's cute. Yeah. I like that drawing.
0: And we see the return of Big Chief Crazy Cone, uh, formerly oh, Big Chief Crazy Cone, right. Native, Native American ice cream.
1: I forgot that yeah.
0: was a recurring gag. You can there. barely see it on the side of the uh, the ice cream truck.
1: Seems like they just pulled it out of the uh, model sheets of, like, we we drew an ice cream truck before, right? Let's just get that one. Uh, and Wiggum references previous guest stars You too with his Octoon baby. Uh, and I'm glad, you know... I almost remembered it as Kearney was standing there, but he wasn't. So I'm really glad Kearney. Because Kearney, as we all know, he's in his like late 30s. <laughs> he's, he's got like, a
0: child <laughs> who sleeps he, in a drawer. He
1: can be wherever he wants to be. It is also funny to hear Nancy Cartwright pretend to be hibbert with the fake id i think
0: nancy ends up imitating most of the other voice actors through bart or uh, other characters oh yeah. yeah
1: we go back to home homer is abandoning the kids to go to the carnival i wonder if it's the same carnival him and bart worked at the previous mm. season also uh i i mean the idea of a carnival with no children that sounds awesome like i i want that
0: His hat is not crazy enough for me and <laughs> this in the scene
1: the closest i've had to this is going to epcot center which is the least popular one with kids so it is it is the best like parents zone of uh disney disney world i think man that game they're gonna play board games and the game of citizenship is more relevant than ever today (laughs) oh god but the uh, the board game thing, it reminds me of how, like, my adult friends, you know, who are into board games, I want to play regular board games with them, but uh, my adult friends when it's, like, hangout nights and let's play a game, they're always the lie-to-each-other games and trick-each-other ones. I just don't like those.
0: I, I enjoy more elaborate board games, but I was just meeting a new group of people mm. recently, and that is the game that broke out about 20 minutes after meeting all these people I'm like I, I'm in over my head I can't oh do God. this and uh, it was the, like the werewolf game right hate, yes yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean I, I will not uh, hold it against them It, it was just, it is a fun it can be a fun game but it's not for me and especially not if I'm meeting people for the first time
3: <laughs> uh, I um, am not a fan of playing board games with other adults mm. I think whenever I'm at somebody's house and they break out the board games my heart sinks a little bit I uh, was <laughs> Would rather just talk over a nice drink.
1: Yeah, I I understand that. I I, I have friends who have sold me on playing some board games, but. The ones that are just most anxiety-inducing to me are just like one of you people has to lie to everybody else and trick them, and I'm just like, God, this like that's that's like the mindfuckery of the adult board games now. I don't like that.
3: A a few years ago, I was at a house where for for a board game night, and somebody busted out this game. I think it was called Monty Python Flux or something, where it's like it it was a official Monty Python branded board game and. (laughs) You know, you'd, you'd go around on the board and you get a card where it would say something like um, uh, taunt a player in a silly French accent.
0: Oh, no. God
3: well, somebody please literally murder me right now. I do not want to be doing this.
0: This keeps happening. I don't know why with groups of new people. Like when I first moved to California, I had zero friends. I moved away from everyone I knew. And I was like, I got to find like a board board game group or somebody to hang out with. So I found one. And the first game we played was like a bunch of improv games. Oh God. Like a board game where you land on spaces and do improv games. The first thing I had to do was rap. (laughs) Like fifteen minutes after meeting a new group of people, I wanted to die.
3: Yeah. Uh, give me, give me, spin the bottle. Give me Twister. You know, give me the classic. Give yeah. me never have I ever. Th- those are my kinds of games.
1: Uh, and yes, I did rap <laughs> They're going to play Hippo in the House and there's a missing hippo piece which that uh, that also is kind of they kind of repeat this joke in the next episode Sunday Cruddy Sunday where they're doing crafts and there's the oh, missing feet for the eggs Yeah,
0: I love that Vincent Price joke though
1: It's a better joke than that I mean, I like Hippo in the House as a little gag but uh, it uh, the missing piece thing reminds me of like when you pull out Mouse Trap and you realize like the one thing is missing. For I've me. never successfully played Mousetrap. Yeah, it
0: takes
3: too long to set up.
1: Uh, I think I properly played it a couple times with my mom and brother, but eventually, it w- you just build it on your own and you don't wait to play through the game to build it. Uh, yeah, I
3: mean, th- there's a reason that the games people play are like, you know, poker. You
1: know?
3: <laughs> simple where you can just hold it in your hand. Uh,
1: after a crappy night with, uh, with board games, the kids are reflecting on their sadness we get to hear uh i like Millhouse hearing that having to hear his mom's problems <laughs> like it's a it can suck as a kid when your parents want to tell you things they probably shouldn't tell you about their unhappiness <laughs> uh, it's uh, I I won't go more into that on my <laughs> own personal thing, but uh, I agree. Uh, but also with uh, with Skinner, they they are going back to continuity. That Skinner does have a large behind. That's true. Big butt Skinner. Yeah, big butt Skinner. I mean, the way they draw his butt when that giant tomato hits it in season four. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> The he he should be proud of that shapely butt. Not not sad about his metabolism change. Butts
0: were not in in 1999.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Well, um, I think he looks pretty svelte in this episode
1: they don't draw his butt wide enough uh it's uh, for this gag
3: we'll uh, find some consensus on this i think
1: <laughs> uh and uh, as the kids are uh suffering wiggum is uh, is opening up a new billboard
2: that ought to show little timmy and tammy scumbag who's in charge around here gee chief all those gears and motors must have cost a fortune well you gotta spend money to make money Lou. hmm
1: I just, uh, that makes no sense when you're a cop. Yeah, he just goes, hmm.
0: <laughs> so that, I guess that's the, uh, so that is taken from a Leave it to Beaver episode in which the beaver, the main character, mm. he wants to know how the soup billboard works because steam comes out of it. Yes. And he gets stuck in it, and it's a big uh, situation with antics
1: yeah, I, uh, I skipped around and watched it today. Some like, uh, like basically three minutes of it, and that mean old Eddie Haskell tricks the beeve into mm. going into the soup Bowl. That's all it is. I mean, he just gets tricked and that, but that's not really the plot of this. But it, it does really date it that they got it from Leave It to Beaver, which like even if that had reruns on Nick at Night as a kid, and I'd watch anything on Nick at Night, I would not watch Leave It to Beaver. I
0: mean, it got an ir- it got a movie, but not an ironic movie like Brady. Bunch or Adam's oh, yeah. Family or whatever
1: so
3: you know whenever I'm I'm talking to you guys about Simpsons episodes I feel myself getting very kind of annoyingly nitpicky um, <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it again welcome Yay. aboard uh, because uh, w- when I see the leave it to beaver parody and I see the our gang parody and then I see a village of the damned parody I, I think why why these things why these things in relation to each other why these things in relation to this this story of sort of like organized radicalized children you know are are these necessarily the cultural touchstones that make the most sense for this story i mean far be it for me to tell you know the writer's room of harvard (laughs) boys how to write their show but uh, there's something about it doesn't quite doesn't quite click to me
0: Hmm. thematically i can see how the village of the damned stuff does apply in some way. It's about adults being afraid of children and children having spooky powers. It does connect to the plot, but other things do seem unrelated and like Mm. sort of like time wasters in a way where here's a fun bit things Here's that a spackle parody. over the yeah. the
1: the weaker parts of the story yeah i think you know the the village of the damned at least fits a little bit though it also is very out of left field that they would advertise on primetime television that a film from 1960 is going to be at a drive-in <laughs> well
3: this is also curious to me because it's, it's being marketed on primetime television as this incredibly transgressive, very gruesome horror film that had been suppressed for so long because, um, and, and it's so notorious, and, and it's called, it's literally called The Bloodening, and the thing that they're parodying is Village of the Dam. Which is, you know, not that that kind of movie, really. I don't know. Something doesn't quite something doesn't quite fit there.
0: Yeah, and the way it's being advertised is via William Castle style marketing to people in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, so it's bizarre.
3: <laughs> and why would why would current kids get excited about this? Mm-hmm. You
1: know. Yeah. Why would Bart and Lisa? Well. The advertising, at least, of calling it the... Okay, here, I have a in-universe explanation I'm going Here we go. That uh, the folks at Sony TriStar got the rights to this musty old movie, which was called something else. They then call it The Bloodening and make this ad to trick the kids of the 90s to go and see it. Hmm. Like that. Uh, that's my guess now.
3: All right, I'll buy it. <laughs> but... but it, I think that would have worked a little more if one of these kids had said something about how much this movie sucks and is boring. Hmm.
1: Yeah, instead they all really love it, which when... When I would watch movies like this, I don't think I saw, I have not seen in its entirety Village of the Damned. I haven't either. But but when I'd see movies like this on Mystery Science Theater, they would bore the shit out of me if I saw them without comedy puppets talking (laughs) over it. Like, I would not have loved these movies when I was 10, especially a black. Yeah, actually, the kids reacting this way to a black and white film really doesn't make sense
3: yeah i don't know i think there's a way to make a village of the damned parody work with this story and i mean i guess that this it's introduced as they're violating their curfew to go see a movie at the drive-in um so so there's a reason it's set up this way you know to Mm -hmm. advance the story um, but something about something about the combination of the story and this and this target doesn't quite land for me.
1: But uh, I do like them targeting NBC's must see TV sitcoms. <laughs> yeah. I do like that. Uh,
3: yeah, they get something they get that kind of. Late '90s NBC like white smugness. Mm-hmm.
0: Whatever was sandwiched between Seinfeld and Friends, just like yeah. this, the shows that had the biggest ratings ever, just because they were in the uh, must see sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, The it, Single Guy, it, Veronica's Closet, uh, Caroline in the City. Yeah,
3: you know, everybody was talking recently about how Game of Thrones was like uh, uh, one of the last communal experiences, one of the one of those last shows that everybody watched together, and. The last episode of Game of Thrones got 17 million viewers. And I guarantee that any given episode of Caroline in the City probably got 25 million <laughs> viewers.
1: <laughs> yeah. You could be right. Yeah, I think you're right. They brought America
0: together.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, and the design of Don't Go There, I mean, the... I Wait. love
0: the guy leaning on the don't go there. Uh,
1: yeah. Don't and, go
0: there be right back.
1: And it looks like Central Perk, too, where they're sitting in. And, yeah. And the character designs are that kind of like young and sexy and cool look of an a NBC sitcom character. It's
0: funny in that it's uh, Hank Azaria who is friends oh, yeah. with Matthew Perry. Did Hank Azaria audition for Friends? He
1: wanted to be Joey. Yeah, I really, thought so. He pushed hard to be Joey and couldn't be it. Like, it's. It's uh, part of the suffering he went through uh, in the '90s was that he was married to the Oscar winner that year, and his best friend was Matt LeBlanc, and he uh, he felt like he was just some cartoon nobody, and it was driving him crazy. Aww. yeah. Uh, he's happy now. He's he's fine. Oh yeah. Wait. No, it's not LeBlanc. It's Perry. Perry. That's, what I, That's what I meant. That's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. Perry. Yeah. No, I said LeBlanc, but yeah. It was hey, pay- <laughs> he, got, he
0: had Studio 60, right? He
1: was uh, in that. Yeah. Oh, beautiful show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Actually, there was that reboot of The Odd Couple. He was on with Tom Lennon as well,
0: and that was on for seasons. I
1: don't think it's on anymore. Dang. I think
3: it was only one season, and it may not have even made it the whole season. <laughs>
1: uh, but why don't we hear? Uh, take us back to 1999 and hear a little of "Don't Go There."
6: There is one thing we could do. <gasps> Please, no!
7: It's fun time of my manhood. That's petty theft. Don't go there.
5: (laughs) Don't go there, we'll be right back.
7: Oh, no, it won't. (laughs) Wait, there's a commercial.
6: Oh, Oh, yeah.
4: Forty years ago, a film appeared that was so shocking so terrifying it was sealed in a concrete vault deep beneath the earth but even the new management of sony tristar could not contain the pure evil of the bloodling
1: in the next clip here i do like how millhouse reacts on the phone like that's i think good acting of pretending you're watching something that you're not when you're asked i i like in this little clip here Milhouse,
7: do you see what's on channel six uh yeah it, it's really something
4: <laughs> <laughs> A registered nurse trained in the treatment of terror will be on duty during the showing of the Blood and Age.
2: <laughs> now playing at the Springfield Drive-In. After dark.
0: New
7: mm-hmm. House, spread the word. We're seeing this movie tonight. That's right. We're breaking curfew.
0: So I'm sorry to bring us back to Caroline in the City, oh, but yes. I was kind of distracted because I was actually looking up the ratings for Caroline in the City, and Will is correct. So <laughs> Caroline in the City was the number 4 television show of the 9596 television wow. season number one was er number two was seinfeld number three was friends mm-hmm. and it indeed reached an average of 17 million viewers
3: oh hell yes <laughs> yes that, that makes me so happy that proves once and for all america prefers caroline in the city to game of
1: thrones
0: exactly it has just as much cultural relevancy mm-hmm. as george R. R. martin's masterpiece
1: <laughs> the numbers <Yeah>. don't lie <laughs> i was a big caroline in the city fan i was there for was season <laughs> one
0: then they got rid of the cartoon so yeah. what are you gonna do
1: it's just like in that Bob Newhart one where in the, it was a comic book. He was a comic book writer for the first season. And then in the second season, they're like, none of this comic book shit. And they sent him to a greeting card factory. That was before it was cool to be about comic books. I believe it was called Bob. That sitcom, the Bob Newhart 90s sitcom, is really weird in that it was co-created by Mark Evanier, who was a best friend of Jack Kirby. So it's basically a Jack Kirby sitcom. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about but that. starring Bob Newhart. There's a
3: good, um, well, you know, it's, it's, you may not think it's good, but there's a movie from the early 90s called The Ambulance starring Eric Roberts, where Eric Roberts you know, it's, it's kind of a schlocky horror movie and Eric Roberts plays a comic book artist at Marvel comics
1: Ooh, and mm. uh, Stan
3: Lee is in it in a oh. very prominent supporting role. Wow. And, you know, back then, I guess it was just very easy to get Stan Lee and Marvel in your movie and have, <laughs> have, have the Marvel comics offices be this site of like, Oh, what's a quirky job that Eric Roberts can have in a horror movie.
1: Holy crap. I, I, Believe it or not, I've never heard of this before. I now feel like Bart in this episode. I have to see this movie.
3: <laughs> Check it out. The Ambulance. It's about a killer ambulance.
1: You'll oh, like it. Oh, man. So it's like Christine, but in an ambulance? The... Yeah,
3: yeah, very, well, similar. It's not like anybody's driving the ambulance. It's like the ambulance has has sentience and it uh, operates on its own. And, and yeah, Eric Roberts uh, has to fight it.
1: Nice. all right i'm checking so, this out it's sort
0: of like the joker of cars
1: <laughs> yeah. oh, God. what
0: if an ambulance hurt you instead of helped you
1: Think about yeah. it. Uh,
0: pretty twisted eh <laughs> yeah
1: uh you're still in wheels bits <laughs> i know i know <laughs>
0: it's a good bit i love your bits i
1: love it yes yeah <laughs> thank have you, you have you seen that yet is it does it come to toronto yet
3: uh the joker well it just played at the festival i mean i i'm sure i will see the joker it feels a bit anticlimactic i mean there's this whole discourse happening among critics who have seen it. And I, I feel like they're all going to tire themselves out by the time the movie actually opens.
1: Well, I think the reviews came out too early and it it was like premature discourse on it. If the movie's out October 4th in wide release. So it's like we're all just, we're all tweeting ourselves out about it too, too soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we gotta... I feel like I've seen it. We got to take our time on that discourse. Well, I mean, in that you've seen King of Comedy and Taxi Driver, you have <laughs> seen <that. laughs> Yeah, yeah uh oh, though, that's great though i think you know this uh after it won the golden lion i'm like what if it does win best picture what ha- what happens then
3: well i mean i guess we'll have to deal with that when we come to it but it but it uh it very much could mm. and then you know uh, there's a, a rip in the space-time continuum <laughs> and this horrible ordeal we call life will finally end for
8: everyone
1: <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I'm, I'm
3: very much rooting for the joker
1: Uh, you you just love this chaos chaos. (laughs) but uh, another thing that really sticks this in 1999 is the joke that a wussy kid watches Teletubbies yeah
0: I uh, mean Teletubbies jokes were uh, fresh
3: I think that joke would still be funny today honestly
1: yeah, I think it'd be funnier that they'd still be watching. T- I would guess Teletubbies must air somewhere, but yeah, I mean it was all in the news in '99 because like it was making kids gay or whatever was what uh, Jerry Falwell Sr. was yeah, saying. Tinky Winky or
0: whatever was gay. Mm-hmm.
1: I think it did turn Jerry Falwell Jr. into uh, oh. uh <laughs> had some effect on him. You Allegedly, I don't <laughs> want to get sued. This this is a lot. This is a joke parody. parody. But that story of Jerry Falwell Jr. and that pool boy is pretty funny.
0: Sometimes <laughs> you just pretend a
1: pool boy yeah. and give him a lot of money you give him a million dollars you set him up in a new job he hangs out with you and your wife Yeah, that's
3: called being a good Samaritan.
1: Have you ever heard of that? Read the Bible. Christ told us of this. It's true. Uh, So the kids all head out. Nelson's mom is looking for Skull. She's out of Skull, which if you don't know, that is a brand of tobacco chew. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't know it at the time because my dad was a Levi Garrett man, and that's the only brand I knew of. I have
0: no... uh, Wow. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Levi Garrett is the tan bag that has like an old-timey... Building on it in black and white, so light. it's
0: literally a pouch.
1: Yes, yeah, it is a Skull's real. Skulls a little can. Uh, I know because,
0: like in high school, kids would like whack the can against their hand like that.
1: Mm, okay, to get their
0: dip on or whatever.
1: Oh, uh, see, now my dad was a, he was more of a chaw guy out of mm. a pouch. Which uh, I feel like—I uh, guess you probably still can buy that stuff. But if like s- smoking is less big now, I got to think chewing is even even more unpopular with uh, people under fifty. <laughs> Let's bring it back. Uh, you just need one hip uh, YouTube star to make it a meme and it'll be back.
0: We need the vape version of Chew. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Boy, what would that be?
0: That's a gobstopper.
1: Mm. <laughs> 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 uh, an an e-gobstopper. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and so uh, everybody heads off to the bloodning. We get a life insurance joke, which reminds me of the mst 3 k Screaming Skull I wrote that episode. down, yeah, yeah.
0: That's such a great sketch where uh, the movie or the trailers promise... I think there's like an intro to the movie where it's like, if you die while watching this, we'll pay for your coffin. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. yes.
0: Uh, and there's a great sketch where they call and it's very disappointing <laughs> and they have to pay for a coffin
1: <laughs> themselves. Uh, and uh, yes, this is uh, drive-in life insurance here. <laughs>
0: Due to the likelihood of fear-induced heart attacks, we're offering all patrons million-dollar life insurance policies.
4: Life insurance? Hmm. Might be able to borrow no against the equity.
0: Uh, I don't know, sir. It comes free with the popcorn.
4: Is that air popped,
2: Skinner! We're losing valuable makeout out time.
0: <laughs> More of the Chalmers and uh, Edna, I'm sorry, um, Agnes thread.
1: Yeah, yeah, they kind of drop this, but yeah. I I prefer when Chalmers is boring. Him being on dates with Agnes is a little too silly for him. Yeah, I guess anything
0: to add to Skinner's humiliation. That's Although he's true. there with Edna, right? Yes, yeah. yeah,
1: so it's a double date, but he's still being cucked in a way, I suppose.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's funny to me. I'm in favor.
1: <laughs> uh, and then uh, we get a callback to the Teletubbies with uh millhouse getting his underwear or pants torn exposing his teletubby undies which 10 year olds it was uh you you were clearly a baby if you were still watching that at 10 but uh uh, i also do like whenever there's a gag of of nelson and lisa recognizing that they used to date yeah i like like those that's very sweet i think there's a wasted opportunity that they they have the let's all go to the lobby song with like no parody it just plays yeah
0: i don't know yeah I mean they already it's did the overdone. best one. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah.
3: I like maybe the Simpsons writers acknowledging that a drive-in is a little bit antiquated. Mm,
1: yeah, that's true. It's uh I did I went to one drive-in once in like I think it was 95, 96. It was to see Hot Shots Part Due. That was uh, that's the only film I've seen.
0: I think mine was Spaceballs.
3: Uh, uh Billy Crystal Robin Williams film Father's Day at a Drive-In. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Eat them. laughs>
1: Uh but yes, the uh the kids the kids all sneak in to watch the Village of the Dam parody, which is at least like very the film is very close to the clips I've watched of Village of the Dam. The kids look exactly the same. It's, yeah it's British, uh, small-town British people being terrorized by children.
0: I like how it's directed, this parody, but I also like how the joke is just about how British everything is. Yes,
1: yeah. Get off my more, you troublemaker. I, I, like, uh, I, I wonder what our British listeners think of how Americans think uh, British fancy people are, or uh, low, lower-class British people
3: are. This is a peculiar thing about a lot of older horror movies. If you watch any of the universal horror movies from the 30s, or the '40s, they are sort of set in peculiar European mishmash countries. So people will be dressed in lederhosen, or <laughs> uh, you know, there will be kind of Transylvanian castles, and then everybody will speak with a British accent. <laughs>
1: that's uh that's like when you see uh films like where the nazis speak with british accents against the against the americans and stuff Mm -hmm. or uh in i've probably said this on a million podcasts before but i always remember the film enemy at the gate the that sniper movie Mm -hmm. where all the russians are like cockney brits led led by bob hoskins so everybody kind of talks like him in his like brusque british voice but they're all russians talking about like you have to defend letting Grand. <laughs> yeah and meanwhile uh like the the german is played by uh the the, the head nazi is played by ed harris so mm. uh, in a very like unaffected accent it's uh it was it was a strange choice
3: Inglorious bastards is the only movie i can think of that that sort of acknowledges that dilemma because yeah, that's true that that has that whole section of the movie where Michael Fassbender goes undercover as a as a German, and then deep into it, somebody recognizes a bit of a sliver of a British accent, and that is the sort of thing that probably would have happened to spies all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that scene. I was just watching that movie again recently, and also the I love where they try to pretend they speak Italian, and the the yeah. woman is like, "I know you're American, but do any of you speak another language?" Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but yes, we we head over to the the British Isles for the bloodening.
4: Get off from my moor, you mischievous
7: winds! Actually, we'd prefer to stay. You're thinking about hurting us. Now you're thinking. How did they know what I was thinking? Now you're thinking. I hope that shepherd's pie in my knickers. Uh! I never liked Shakespeare until now.
5: Right, you little bodice. We've had quite enough of your evil mischief. But <laughs> you're the one who's been bad. You've been sneaking puddings. But, but, how did you know?
7: We know all your secrets. And you pilfered the paw box. <gasps> and, Doctor, we know that you and the bootblack have been rogering the fishwife in the carpet shop. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> nice! How dare you! Get them! Quickly! <laughs> we
0: can't have that i love that lie. The, i mean the joke is like how many british english things can we sneak into this scene I, my favorite one is having to pan across four characters for that last joke it's really good
1: especially the guy spitting out his tea who runs the crumpet shop <laughs> yeah. like a crumpet shop too that only sells crumpets mm, crumpets are great the the sneaking in of a poop joke with the shepherd pie and your knickers uh that's a tough that's a tough one you gotta be careful with yes. that word uh, enunciate. Uh, and, well, and also calling things puddings too, like is a very British thing. They, so in the trailer for the village of the dam that I did pull up the, they don't make a guy stab himself with his own pitchfork. They do make him shoot himself with his own like old-timey shotgun. Hmm. So, right in the head. It's uh, it's intense. That's how you do it. After that scene, we get Lewis of all characters saying like in your face fishwife. Like he it's never gets a, a joke. A rare
0: Lewis line. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Ralph has to appear for that joke in the song so he can't be with them, but there needs to be more like known children mm-hmm. in this gang. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh and also the scene another very rare thing is that it ends with Eddie getting a joke of all characters. Yeah,
0: it's his time to shine before it was uh god, who shot Mr. Burns part 2? Yeah, that That's was That's a good way to get got... sick.
1: <laughs> That's the last time he got any good lines, but it it ending on him chuckling after scaring Wiggum with the lights, like that was pretty good. The... How the kids get caught though. It's just it seems like uh, there, it would have been elucidating to just have a scene of like somebody spotting them and at, calling the cops or mm, something. Yeah, look, like, uh, there, there's other holes in this story, so not not too bothered by it. <laughs> uh, but then comes my line of the show in the next scene where the Uh-oh. the kids are are put to work. I'm I'm uh, gonna play the jingle if I uh, if you agree with me, Bob, on the, uh, the the being the line of the episode. I think I'm with
4: you. That's the joke,
2: and let this be a lesson to you. Kids never learn.
7: <laughs> oh, that is it. I'm tired of being pushed around by grown-ups. It's time to fight back. Yeah! Fight back, 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 back. back! Man, if we had eye power like those kids in that movie, we could read the adult's mind and tell their secrets and make them pitchfork each other in junk. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
6: yeah! Wait, we don't need supernatural powers.
7: We already know their secret. She's right. Homer's done a ton of crap that never made the papers. (laughs) My mom shoplifts all the time. Stuff she doesn't even need. My dad gets in car accidents on purpose. Great. This is all gold. We gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. No. We have to reach people whose opinions actually matter. And I think I know how
0: so alt tv simpsons was not happy with that
1: line <laughs> uh the show is getting pretty sensitive to their internet critics at this point i think i mean they'd already put the lines of people on the forums in the mouth of comic book guys so yeah <laughs> uh but this was their next their next level to it i i do just love the i i like the line let this be a lesson to you kids never learn mm-hmm. it's uh mm-hmm. it's it's clever. I just got that it
0: was a joke. I like it.
1: <laughs> Martin's mom sounds a lot like Marie from Breaking Bad. Am I right? I thought about that too.
0: The most uh, the that subplot snap, crackled, and popped.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was they just totally dropped that. They're like, I yeah. think they they maybe they realize like we don't need to have every character do stuff on the show. She was
0: fun comic relief after that. I liked her. Yeah, all her
1: purple Marie was fun. They're not making a spinoff movie with her. No, the the kids are does devising a real Our Gang plot, which is why they even just cop to it with the Our Gang music, Little Rascals music played over. That was
0: cute. I feel like all these things they're parodying would never be shown on TV now. Oh, yeah. Just like (laughs) Little Rascals, Leave it to Beaver. Even black and white movies are hard to find. This is
3: something that I sort of like about, you know, the early Simpsons, that it feels very rooted in, I guess, boomer or Mm. older Gen X culture. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. They the the kids who grew up watching reruns of Little Rascals, which like we...
0: I'm old enough to be one of those kids.
1: Uh, yeah, but you had to look a little hard to find they them were,
0: uh When when TNT opened its doors, my friend, they had oh, a lot yes, of content that they bought. No, right, little true. Rascals was one of those.
1: I
3: too remember seeing Little Rascals on TV when I was very young.
1: <laughs> which, uh, I mean, I knew at first before I watched it as like a joke. I was watching the old SNLs and yeah. I'd seen Eddie Murphy's Buckwheat character uh, and that, that's <laughs> Me how
3: I too, it then. yeah, do today's kids have any idea what buckwheat is? if they saw those Eddie Murphy sketches, would they have like would they have any context for what that was?
1: Mm, I would guess not they I mean would mm-hmm. they even know who Gumby is now i wow hmm. uh man well the it helped too i guess the little rascals did get a film adaptation in the 90s that's <laughs> like yeah oh yeah <laughs> i i mean i'd watch those originals before i'd watch the little rascals uh, movie from there it was just it, well, it was oh,
3: sorry, weird. Donald Trump by the way <sighs> That's right. Oh, yeah. you're goddamn
0: right. Damn it. <laughs> oh my god. I, I know. But, but you know, you got to
3: separate the artist from the art sometimes. <laughs> uh, I was going to
0: say there was nothing offensive in that movie, but now <laughs> they cleaned up buckwheat a lot. I know that. Uh,
1: I, I mean, they had to. Yeah. There's no thing. You kind of have to. I mean, that was. uh
3: I mean, I'm sure that in the 1930s, Hal Roach thought that he was being very progressive making a, a comedy series where like black children and white children played together, which, you know, uh, just goes to show you about how what was progressive in 1931 is, <laughs> is just not necessarily cut it even, I don't know, 30 years later.
1: I mean, how Roach was being progressive by not having a child in blackface is one of as Yeah, one of the children, that's true. Actually. <laughs> Uh, But while speaking of old timey, as uh, the the kids are getting to, they they discover that their best route for uh, exposing their parents is through the radio in the 90s, uh, (laughs) which now the internet is the radio. They're the same thing. Yeah,
3: the kids would start a podcast now.
1: Uh, revealing all their parents' secrets. I, I think this this gag, even though I was like um, 16, the, the bit of the kids knowing all the parents' secrets, I was like, I guess I do know a lot of my parents' secrets, too, and could could humiliate them if I wanted to. <laughs> That'll be a Patreon episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, we know all their secrets. Not that could That's just like... go on
0: YouTube, you're right, yeah. and just say, uh, my dad's a drunk.
1: I mean, I'd rather those exist than... Um, the torturing your child uh, YouTube channels yeah. that exist. All the fun
0: prank families that are being <laughs> shut down. Uh,
3: by the way, I, I'm sure you know people will know this. I, I mean, like most people, I've. Uh, I don't follow the Simpsons anymore, but I would, would I be right to guess that there must be an episode where Homer starts a podcast, like in the last five years?
0: Oh, they've only recently embraced podcasting as something to make fun of. And, uh, I watched the one with Mark Marin. Krusty having goes Krusty, on the, uh,
1: WTF. Yeah, they did yeah. do that. And they did a corresponding uh, episode. If,
3: if it hasn't,
1: uh, Homer and Bart definitely started a, a flash video cartoon on the internet. They that is true. That. I mean, well, I, I
3: also remember the episode where Homer, Homer starts like a Breitbart style website where it's like M- Mr. X. Yeah. That's
0: yeah. right. Yeah. I think it was, it was like drudge. a drudge. Yeah. yeah. Dr- yeah drudge. <laughs> yeah. That's, what,
3: that's the name I was looking for.
0: I, I've always had the idea for a spec script, which is as good as writing the idea down and making it into a <laughs> script that uh, Bart and Lisa will start an itchy and scratchy podcast. And Henry and I are guest stars on that episode, by the way.
1: Yes, huh. that, that's part of the spec.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> They've cycled through every other possible idea with these characters. So, like, why not?
1: Why not? I mean, one episode I watched from, like, uh, just 10 years ago was the, the first act was, what if the Simpsons got TiVo? What would that be? <laughs> oh, you're uh, right. Yep. <laughs> And, oh my god. <laughs> uh, but yes, as, the, as the, the kids are hatching their plan, we get to hear about another NBC sitcom. Oh, good.
5: So, Marge, ready for another episode
7: of Don't Go There? I'm tired of that show. But I've been hearing good things about Talk to the Hand. Tom Shale says the writing snaps, crackles, and pops.
5: Okay, whatever takes my mind off my life.
7: Talk
6: to the hand, the face ain't hey, look what I found grandpa's old radio oh wouldn't it be grand to gather round and have a listen
5: well turn something on i'm starting to think
0: so yeah that was a fun dig at david faustino the uh, bud bundy from married with children he never ascended to musty tv heights though
1: no the lead on a sitcom that would never happen to him which i guess is also the joke yeah Uh, yeah
3: I appreciated the reference to Pulitzer Prize-winning TV critic Tom Shales.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and I guess the uh, that's what he said about "just shoot me" is what they said on the commentary. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> which by the metric of those shows i liked just shoot me more than the other ones like no one would ever watch just shoot me now i don't think nobody cares but it at the very least had on uh, mr show actors thanks to the incestuousness of the Br- Brillstein gray management company yeah it
0: was brian possein on a major role in the show right mm-hmm.
1: and
3: and uh, also uh, america's sweetheart david spade yeah. Oh mm. yes. Yeah. And
0: he that, recently came back with like another version
1: uh, of that Hollywood update, yep. which he
0: already oh, no. had,
3: like an eclipse. It just comes every couple of years, or it's, like a case of locusts.
1: <laughs> it's I uh, get promoted shots of it in uh, clips of it in my twi- Twitter timeline every now and then, and he he just is very tired. That's and a lot of his jokes are just like you know what it's like to be famous, right? Yeah.
3: I feel like his whole gimmick of being like that that smug guy who uh, makes fun of the movie stars, makes jokes about celebrities. Like it wore a little better back when he was 22. Yeah. Just being this, this um, aged shell of a man.
1: (laughs) Just very tired still doing the same thing. Well, and also like his, it's one thing when you're 22 and you're, you're just rising as a star. That then, when you make fun of, say, vampire in Brooklyn, it, <laughs> you're like, okay, that's fair. You wouldn't make that, but now when you're the guy who's who's not even the fucking lead in Benchwarmers, like, yeah. where do you get off when, to-
0: <laughs> when Joe Dirt Two goes direct to crackle? Who are you? <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. I'm assuming he probably doesn't make fun of Adam Sandler on his show, right? I'm, oh, I'm assuming that's off limits.
1: I would think so, yes. Yeah. Uh, we were just, see, in, they talk about all the jokes you can't say, but they don't talk about that joke you can't say mm-hmm. on the show uh but uh yes they turn on the they turn on the radio we get a little clip of the fdr address which i don't know who's playing that on the radio that was just very random could, could
3: that have been an action was that the actual fdr uh, audio
1: i think so yeah uh, yeah though they admit on the commentary that they actually tightened it up for timing purposes <laughs> uh, fair enough <laughs> The uh, one thing I do like in this episode in the construction of the plot is, uh, at least as it goes, is a mystery of where the kids are. You can see in the background the back of a billboard, but it's just vague enough that you don't know it. So mm. they're not cheating that they're like in a black room or something. Like you, uh, you do get a little tease of where it is. Not that they even let you have the mystery for all that long of where the kids are. I think the mystery lasts like 90 seconds, but... Mm. Uh, But, yes, it's time for We Know All Your Secrets.
7: Good evening, adults. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a very special presentation. Tonight's program is entitled We We Know
5: All Your
7: Secrets.
5: Boring. Go back to that infamy guy.
7: (laughs) Constable Wiggum likes to act tough, but he also likes to walk the beat in control top pantyhose.
2: (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not like that's a crime. I'm afraid it is, Chief.
7: <laughs> mm. And schoolmistress Crabapple has been stealing supplies from the school cafeteria.
4: <gasps> Edna, how could you?
1: Don't get up. I'll bust my own tray.
0: I love the giant mustard Yes, yeah. That... All the
1: industrial-sized things there. I like that. But in both these cases, I support the criminals. Like... Ed, uh, you should steal from work like Edna does if you work for a, a place that'll never miss that stuff. And you know what? If Wiggum wants to walk around wearing that, more power to him. That's what I say. He
0: really bounced back from his public indecency charge <laughs> to show up later in this yeah, episode. Yeah, he gets out
1: pretty fast. He had yeah, his arraignment,
0: Wiggum, I guess.
3: Wiggum's cross-dressing is something that pops up very occasionally on on episodes, but it's, right. not, it's never quite as... Uh, it's never become quite as much a part of the show's lore as uh, Smithers' queerness has. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's true. There was
0: one episode where you said, uh, finally, an excuse to wear makeup. Yes. Which one was that?
1: <laughs> that was when they got to make movies. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Stars Burned. You're right, yeah. Plus, he was undercover in basically a Glenn or Glenda uh, outfit as the guy stole his purse. Right, in, and, he uh, accidentally, Lost Our Lisa.
0: and he accidentally bought a male sex doll.
1: Oh, yes. Accidentally? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know I'm surprised they didn't go they didn't go there with more stuff <laughs> than that, uh, though I mean they're they they were edging up to um some regrettable trans jokes if they had gone too much farther, which I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then we get to learn some more secrets about Homer Simpson.
7: And now we come to Mr Homer Simpson <laughs> did you know he likes to eat out of the Flanders garbage?. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I have a problem. Tune
7: in tomorrow and every day until the curfew is lifted because we'll be revealing embarrassing secrets about Springfield's other adults.
5: Well, at least they've already done me.
7: And we have plenty more on Homer Simpson.
3: Don't! Oh! <laughs> Homer's oh, problem. Man. I don't know. This episode's funny. I take it all back.
0: This <laughs> is really... I like that Homer's problem isn't sh- like shocking or ridiculous. It's just very troubling. Yes, and, oh, yes. Homer.
3: <laughs> I also like that little scream he did.
1: Just absolute
3: perfect timing.
1: Yeah. Uh, and how defeated he is when he's like, "I have a problem." Yeah. Uh, though, though, what's uh, worse that he eats out of Flanders' garbage, or that he eats tulips, as was revealed, and oh. uh, burns his air or
0: the soaps that came in the mail
1: oh yeah he does. in that one he's not even ashamed he yeah eats those little soaps yeah that homer thinks he's safe after having one secret revealed, but it's all going to be homer on it which they do follow through on that promise uh and then it feels like something got cut here in the pacing where they they go to the town hall mm-hmm. and quimby is like and we're gonna find those kids and their accents and then he's immediately cut off by Otto, like hey the kids are telling secrets again like
0: it yeah it feels like
1: uh an extra joke sequence got cut yeah there.
0: maybe there was a longer scene with town hall things happening but there wasn't enough time or they just wanted to get right to auto but it feels like that they don't need to be there at all you're mm-hmm. right
3: springfield has more town meetings than any other uh town
1: <laughs> yeah i uh, i never went to one town meeting and uh, i i sometimes get it in the mail in berkeley just because like for zoning things they're like hey they're gonna build x here there's uh, meeting for this if you want to talk about it like
3: i like how the town meetings also sort of uh, all of all the strata of springfield society are <laughs> present and they're in one melting pot you have well-known tv personalities like crusty the clown and you have you know oligarchs like mr burns <laughs> you know, sitting alongside Mo.
1: <laughs> You're right. Yeah. It's, it's almost like Rockwell. In its, uh, <laughs> uh, and yes, we, we then get another installment of, we know all your secrets.
5: I've called this meeting to determine what to do about those blabbermouth kids and their creepy English accents. Hey, shut up there. They're telling secrets again. Oh. oh, I hope they don't reveal this as a comb over.
6: Our top secret tonight Gay divorcee Luanne Van Houten has been cheating on her boyfriend, Pyro, with his best friend, Gyro.
4: How many times have I fought beside you, Gyro, and this is how you repay me? <laughs>
5: <laughs> Pyro, Gyro, settle down. Can't we shut down that infernal transmitter?
4: Can we just blow it up? You go
1: ahead, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I nice, know nice.
0: I think Hibbert was watching Talk to the Hands.
1: That's so weird that they have Hibbert become the sassy black guy. (laughs) That's so odd.
0: Is
3: this also the last time we see Pyro on the show?
1: Pyro would make one more appearance. This is the last time we'd see Gyro. Gyro only appears for this one joke. The
0: subtly Greek version oh, of yeah. uh, pyro
1: but all these jokes like american gladiators had been off the air for like three years at this point yeah yeah uh i think L- luann should have just entered into a poly relationship with pyro and gyro that's what they do now we weren't there
0: yet in 98 98
1: <laughs> pyro should have been suspicious that Z- gyro was sitting next to luann <laughs> and came to the thing with him. and also
0: brought his jousting stick <laughs>
1: Yeah, so as uh, as the town is freaking out, Quimby reveals that they're they're already on the case, uh, searching for the kids. Wiggum is listening through an old timey earhorn, while Frank is listening through a science fiction earhorn. I
0: like that Frank brought that in a sci fi gun. Same yes, with the kids. That,
1: that's so crazy. He pulls out a gun that like beeps and stuff, but I never I never noticed it until this close viewing on it. Same here. Uh, yeah, it's played it's played very low on there, but uh, yes, there's there's also a bit of a gag. Uh, another like lip sync the the lip sync is at its worst in the bit uh, where Lisa speaks. Yeah,
0: I don't know. There, It was a different line originally, but it's just so distracting. It's like a season four ADR, where it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't even look at this.
1: Who's uh, operating medicine without a license? That's Homer right, Simpson. Homer Simpson. Yeah. And just the mouth movements are all wrong. Oh, that's right, Homer Simpson. And the
0: emotion is kind of off, too. I don't know. It just it bothers me.
1: But I do like, well, that, I, hom- I do like
3: that Hibbert looks a little nervous when that's said, suggesting <laughs> that Hibbert is operating without a license, which... <laughs> is is an amazing piece of information
1: (laughs) the uh on the commentary they reminisce about how he used to be the good doctor and they've degraded him Uh, so far that only
0: lasted (laughs) to season three
1: (laughs) Uh, and yes it also is shocking not just that frank has a sci-fi gun but also to see professor frank pointing a gun at children yeah (laughs) uh but yes the children are caught and things come to a head
2: brilliant Transduced amplitude modulation via the concavity of that oversized beverage conveyance. I mean, that is some clever vibing. All right, you kids, come down now. We promise we won't kill you. Spank for
5: yourself. Bart, get down here. I'm gonna spank you back to the Stone Age.
7: You can't make us come down. You adults are always giving us orders.
5: Oh, well, you kids are always
0: disobeying them.
7: Uh, adults treat kids like children! Kids treat adults like cash
2: machines! Adults! Kids! kids. Adults! Kids!
0: Adults! And that begins the Bye Bye Birdie parody.
1: Yes! Yeah. So uh,
0: I only found out about this after the fact, so after watching this episode in 98, I went online to read like the, the fun trivia people would post on all TV Simpsons, and like, oh, this is a parody of Kids for Bye Bye Birdie, and I filed that away in my head, and I didn't really watch the Bye Bye Birdie until a few years ago, when I half-watched it at that bar I was talking about. I was like, oh... <laughs> Oh, right. And uh, so I don't want to be horny on Maine on this podcast. It's the last thing I want to be. But I will say the opening of that movie is the most erotically charged piece of cinema featuring a woman fully clothed alone in a blue void. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing.
3: Uh... You're Anne called, Margrock. Bye-bye, Birdie, but you're really selling me on it now. Yeah.
0: I mean, just watch the first uh, uh the first song by Anne Margaret. It's it's uh, I mean she's a beautiful woman, but man, she uh, moves.
1: Yes. No, I mean Anne Margaret, uh, she she was a stone cold fox. Yeah, and yes, but she appeared on the Flintstones. Oh, it's Ann rock yeah, right? Yes. That's why
0: I called her Ann Rock up front.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, well, the story of Bye Bye Birdie, though, I, I saw the movie long before I saw the Broadway show. The Broadway show and the movie are actually quite uh, a bit different, thanks to Anne Margaret. Uh, it's a bit of a
0: sci-fi <laughs> movie in that Paul Lynn plays a straight father. yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, honey <laughs> uh
1: those are the only uh things open to him <laughs> he's he
0: he's really funny in that movie paul
1: in fucking rules in yeah. it. and he's he's the lead singer on kids which i think is why they gave lovejoy the opening line in their kids parody song here because he's like the most like paul lind voice of the regular cast i think mm-hmm. uh but yes bye bye birdie uh started as a 1960 broadway musical which had Dick Van Dyke in the lead role in it, uh, and it's sort of about in the fifties when Elvis got drafted and people freaking out about it. And the character of Elvis is Conrad Birdie. He comes to town and causes all these problems. and the The young girl Kim is into him, but she lies about her age. And it ends up with the guy actually getting arrested. Conrad getting arrested for statutory rape Ooh. at uh, the end of it. I but missed so that part of it. That's not in the film. <laughs> okay. They get rid- of that but dick van dyke it was one of the last things he did before the dick van dyke show he actually took two weeks off from bye bye birdie to film the pilot for the oh, dick wow, van dyke okay. show uh and yeah paul lynn and him reprised their role for the 1963 film but uh as paul lynn himself would say they made that film to be an Anne margaret vehicle it had already been a tony award-winning broadway play but back then, just like how they made a lot of changes to Hello Dolly to make it a uh, Barbara Streisand vehicle, right, right, they did the same for Anne Margaret and Bye Bye Birdie, and so they rewrite it. The opening song Bye Bye Birdie that she sings is not in the musical. They wrote it for Anne Margaret to sing in the start of the.
0: That's movie. That's the scene I'm talking about. Go on yeah. YouTube and watch that. It's amazing. She like I don't know why she's just in a blue void, but it's crazy. <laughs>
1: And uh, mm-hmm. as Paul Lynde said about the movie, they should have called it "Hello, Anne Margaret." Oh, <laughs> and he was—he uh, himself was pissed that uh, some of his best lines from the musical got cut to shape the film more around Anne Margaret's hmm. character.
0: But yeah, this song is not even uh, a sound alike or whatever. It's a direct parody. Or the backing track or whatever you want to call it is the same. It's not like mm. "See My Vest" or anything like that.
1: Uh, and also, it's uh, "Bye Bye Birdie" is kind of about interracial marriage as well. The uh, the kid song, it's it's too adults complaining about kids it's paul lynn complaining about his darn daughter Anne margaret dyeing her hair and chasing after birdie but it's also dick van dyke's um oppressive mom threatening to kill herself because he's marrying a an hispanic woman mm. and uh they're they're both complaining about kids together lynn and uh dick van dyke's mother in the film and in the mm. uh, the original one so that's that is the uh the situation of the the kid song it's a fun little song i think the most famous song from it is You Got a Lot of Living to Do. I think mm. that's the though that that because it was in commercials when I was yeah. looking for Carnival Cruise Lines Yep, that's right. But will in all your your important film viewing, you've never seen Bye Bye Birdie?
3: I know I'm I'm very ashamed that I haven't seen it. <laughs> I don't I don't sense that it's often mentioned amongst the great movie musicals
1: though. No, no,
0: yeah, it was it was oddly referenced a bit, but I never actually saw it in rotation. I know Mystery Science Theater would reference it a lot, especially mm-hmm. the uh, the Ed Sullivan song.
1: Yeah, I don't know right. why,
0: but uh, yeah, I just it would never <laughs> popped up.
1: Ed Sullivan plays himself in the movie too. That's right. <laughs> no, uh, well, I know for in the break broadway fandom they look down on the movie because it changes too much like mm. some uh, there was a quote on the wiki page from one of the stars of the original production saying like anybody who's a fan of the movie hasn't seen the broadway version like that mm. so uh, there's there's some real hate for it but that's the one that's more famous i think they did a one of those live televised musicals in the last few years bye bye birdie got one of those mm. too
3: i often hear bye bye birdie or at least I think I've often heard it mentioned as this disembodied signifier of a school play.
1: Mm, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's. Per- I mean, it's about teens, and it's perfect for teens to play in it for sure. I, though I guess only if you have teens that can sing, which you, uh, most teens can't sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but yes, the uh, the song itself is their version of kids. I'll play it right now. Adult,
4: kids, adult, kids, kids, adult. kids, you've had your fun. Now
2: we've had our fill. Yeah, you're only here cause Marge forgot her, pill. Kids, you're all just scandalizing, vandalizing punks. Channel hopping, really popping monkeys, but please don't quit the fan
7: club. Kids, I can nag and nag till my hair turns blue. Kids, you bum my smokes and don't say thank you. Why can't you be like we are? Oh, out of my of rats.
2: We ought to drown you just like cats.
7: Our lives like your Colonel Clink. Adults, you strut around like your farts don't stink. Adults, you're such a drooling, soaring, boozing,
6: boring bunch. Surly, meanie, three martini lunchers. I just ate
7: a thumbsack. Adults, they're always telling us to-traps!
4: Eh, yeah, we're fed up with all of you whippersnaps. Hey. We're trying to get some sleep here. It's almost six fifteen. What's the
5: matter with don't you treat just us like Can't you
7: just lay off for sick of all of you? Kids Kids. Kids.
8: Kids.
1: Kids. Uh the the song the song is fun. Uh, it though no, it, it kind of goes a little long, I think. Not yeah. not
3: particularly funny, is it? Mm,
0: there's no. not. I mean, my biggest laugh is Ralph saying, "I just did a thumbtack,"
1: <laughs> which is
0: which comes out of nowhere. Yeah,
1: like most Ralph lines. I do like um the shocking revelation that Mo was about to drown Snowball too. Yeah, that was pretty sh- crazy.
3: Yeah, I-, I feel like the ch- the charge of adults versus kids, like the. The emotional, or uh, I, I don't know, the weight of it isn't quite there for me.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: The other part I did like was that Millhouse is really trying to get into the song, but then he's immediately stopped. I love that;
1: that's a good joke. Yeah. yeah, but
0: then like the only so the thing I think is clumsy about this ending is that just like the senior citizen plot like like, like crash lands in the last minute of this episode <laughs> to to resolve things. Like we saw them once. I think it's when they stole part of the TV tube or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And put a cat in the TV, and but they never really had a comment on what was happening, and so they sort of like crash land in this to make an ending happen in this episode.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, they only got thirty seconds left, so they got to do it. It felt weird that uh, Bart references Colonel Clank, which like he i only knew of it because colonel clink appeared on the simpsons I I like the five way. seasons earlier yeah <laughs> otherwise like bart was not watching hogan's heroes which it wouldn't line with stink if he just said you guys treat us like nazis like that that doesn't rhyme with stink so also like walk around like your farts don't stink that's a little that's a little too cute i don't yeah. i really don't that's my least favorite line i think they could
0: have they could have pep up the song a bit
1: but, uh, but yes the uh, the best joke is millhouse being denied his line <laughs> um they th- wrap up the song kids today the the greatest generation guilts us all and uh, lets us know that they, they're tired of all of these kids and they threaten the, the grown-ups and we learn the lesson that you, the elderly really do vote.
5: <laughs> We're gonna teach all you rugrats a lesson. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> What can you old people do to us? Yeah, you old fogies! Buzz off, yeah, y'all! So scared. do
2: you're should iron
7: you. This
4: <laughs> is Kent Brockman reporting from my own home, in accordance with a new curfew for anyone under seventy. I mm, you can't believe that. Past. Was,
6: uh, I warned you guys that seniors always vote in record numbers.
4: The controversial measure passed by a single vote.
7: Mm, You
5: really should have voted, Homer. It wouldn't have made a difference. Lights out, you
2: punk kids! Yay! We took back the night! Hey, Hey, fellas. Hey, you wanna stop with the kicking? My pills are in that can. Good gravy.
1: And
0: then Hank Azaria ad-libs over the credits. Yeah.
1: You're not going
3: to play the whole credits?
1: <laughs> uh, oh, I'll play the whole credits at the end of the episode. We don't need to hear that now.
0: I like whenever anyone interacts with the Gracie Films lady. Mm, yeah, it's I do. It's always yeah. nice. I had, so uh, I guess the other funny line is the weird Ralph uh, ad-lib. Somebody should iron you. That
1: was odd. <laughs> yeah, yes. you're wrinkly. Yeah.
0: Somebody should iron you. I don't know if that was written or something that Nancy made up when, like, make background noises, everybody, mm. or whatever. <laughs>
1: I like the guilting Homer about not voting. That's that's fine. But, I'll, I mean, that is still as true today as then, but now the generation that was Homer and Marge, they're the elderly who vote all the time. And it's true. They uh, they matter so much more than us uh, young... Well, when I say young, I mean 37-year-old voters. <laughs> Very young uh, young people. so young. Uh,
0: I will say, we didn't say it up front, but the title of this episode is a parody of the movie Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, mm-hmm. and it's about a uh, high-diving horse. So. Oh. Puzzle oh, okay. that one out.
1: Oh, that's an episode of The Simpsons in like uh next season in Saddle Sword Galactica.
0: Oh, you're right.
1: Wow, I didn't realize
0: that was a reference to yeah. Wild
1: Hearts Can't Be Broken as well. Wow, I i haven't seen that movie either, just like either. Ambulance. I have not <laughs> seen <it. laughs>
0: Put that on the list with Bye Bye Birdie, triple feature.
3: Uh, <laughs> okay, you watch Bye Bye. No, I'll watch Bye Bye Birdie, you watch The Ambulance, and then. Next time we meet, we'll trade notes.
1: Mm. <laughs> uh, oh, and also speaking of movies, the last shot of the old people playing together—it sort of reminded me of the Spielberg segment from *Twilight Zone*. Movie. Yeah,
0: I think that segment was called "Kick the Can," right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: the uh, the the nice segment of the film. Boo. Nothing
3: peace, Vic Morrow.
1: <laughs> oh God, uh, but uh, yeah, I guess the John Lithgow one is the best segment in it by by far. Though Nancy Cartwright's in the the Bill Mooney one. That's my so, favorite one. Yeah, hmm. mm-hmm. but Lithgow screaming man, it's just so funny. I, well, not funny. It's like I just love John Lithgow.
0: He's he rules. He's great. Anyway, yes. Uh, any uh, final thoughts on this one?
1: Uh, for
3: me, I think this is nobody's favorite episode. It's not particularly memorable, and maybe it doesn't quite gel. But every time you were playing clips from it, I was sitting here chuckling and laughing and thinking about how even lesser 10th season Simpsons has five great gigs a minute. Mm. So I guess yeah. my thumb has to be up. Yeah.
0: Now, yeah even now that i'm much older i still I find the kid power stuff distasteful <laughs> but i do think that in isolation there are a lot of very funny jokes and i did enjoy this one more than i thought i would
1: yeah if uh if i could you know my monday morning quarterbacking on it is i turned down the cutesiness just a little bit that's some uh, my least favorite stuff in it but there's still good joke writing in this as it goes like i think uh this is the Simpsons trying to navigate entering a new decade too so that's why they have these the jokes about sitcoms they're doing here are very different than the jokes about sitcoms they were making in 1990 but yeah there's and and honestly jokes about baseball I I do like the jokes about Fairweather fans that's some of the best stuff which by the time we get to the Bye Bye Birdie song at the end I had forgotten that this started at a baseball game it's a
0: broad spectrum of jokes (laughs) but uh, thanks again to Will for being on the show Will please plug all of your stuff we're big fans of you and your podcast. Podcasts.
3: Oh, thank you very much. Well, I have, I have two podcasts, believe it or not. It's a, it's a lot of podcasts to have. I'm podcast rich. <laughs> I,
0: with my friend
3: Luke Savage, host a podcast called Michael and Us, which is a politics and culture podcast where every week we watch a, a movie or a TV show, usually something pretty bad, and relate it to the current moment. Uh, And with my friend, Justin DeClue, I host a film history podcast called the important cinema club.
1: One of your ones really gave me reason to um, revisit Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie because it was like too gross for me when it, when it first came out, I didn't give it enough of a chance, but you guys uh, really helped me understand that movie on a, on a deeper level.
0: Oh, me too. I think uh, we're ready for that movie now Mm -hmm. as Americans.
3: Thanks. Uh, I, I'm glad you enjoy it now. And I, I, I too, took a long time to appreciate Tim and Eric's billion-dollar movie, but I now think it's one of the key... The, like the key artistic documents of this decade.
0: Yeah. We recently evaluated their uh, series, Tom goes to the mayor. And in, in light of today's events in the modern times, it really feels like, I think our theory was it's if the, uh, the promised future never happened. <laughs> That's the, <laughs> yeah. uh, the setting of Tom goes to the mayor. And yeah.
1: It, yeah. And ev- everything is just empty and fake and dead. And we're, <laughs> we're just trying to. Li- yet there's
3: a sod. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, there's a, a a grim facade that we're all supposed to find it
1: mm-hmm. good.
0: Yeah. The only person with optimism is crushed.
1: Yes, yeah. every uh, episode, and also the stupidness of entrepreneurialship as well, like the emptiness. Oh, yeah.
3: Of that. yeah, there is definitely a recurring theme in their stuff about just like astroturfed corporate culture mm-hmm. um,
0: so thanks again to Will Sloan you can find him on Twitter as Will Sloan ESQ that's W i l l s l o a n E s q. look for all those hilarious Joker tweets I've been enjoying <laughs> those uh, but as for us, if you want to support our show and get some nice things in return, please go to patreoncom Simpsons. And for the low price of five bucks a month, you will get every episode of this show one week ahead of time and ad free. And the same goes for our sister podcast, What a Cartoon. You will also have access to. Dozens upon dozens, dare I say, over 100 bonus podcasts you haven't heard yet behind the $5 paywall. And that includes everything we made for the past two plus years, everything we will make far into the future. So please sign up for 5 bucks a month and you'll get everything you've been missing out on up until now. And Henry, what is happening at the $10 level, extra long podcast every month.
1: Well, as part of our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, me and Bob do an exclusive monthly podcast for our $10 and up patrons. That is the What a Cartoon Movie podcast, where we talk about a different animated feature film once a month in a similar Talking Simpsons style. Our most recent one is Cowboy Bebop the Movie. We're doing that one in September, and you can hear that and over 24 hours of the previous What a Cartoon Movie podcasts only if you're a $10 and up patron. On top of all the other cool stuff you get at the $5 level, it's a really great deal. So please, consider signing up for that at the $10 level one more time. That's at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. So I've been one of your hosts,
0: Bob Mackey. Find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I have another podcast, by the way. It's all about classic video games, and that podcast is Retronauts. Please go to retronauts.com every Monday and occasionally on Friday to find new episodes or just search for them in whatever you use to listen to the podcast. Once again, that is Retronauts, and please listen. Henry.
1: Hey, you can follow me, Henry Gilbert, on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I'm sure to tweet up a storm there about all the things going on in the world, including... Whenever we have new podcasts or events happening in the Talking Simpsons Network universe, I'm sure to tweet about them, and you'll learn about it there first if you follow me, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. So next week, because we have hit the premiere of Family Guy in the Talking Simpsons timeline, we will be doing the first episode of Family Guy, Death Has a Shadow, and then we will be right back to The Simpsons right after that. So we'll see you next week.
2: Hey, you want to stop with the kicking? My pills are in that can. Good gravy I don't kick your things when you're trying to breathe on the machine do I go up and kick it uh, oh now look at that event down the sewer you happy I'm gonna sue now now it's time for the lawyers Let's see some ideas, boys. Huh. You two scoff laws are violating curfew. I'm taking you downtown. Oh, uh, sorry to disturb you, Dr. Hibbert.
7: Not at all, officer. <laughs> no.